The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Speedball Mike Bailey. You're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yush. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The Ace of Podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll review the first four nights of Best of the Super Junior 30 and cover all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Please support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com. Frequently updated and with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. Young boy, how was your birthday weekend? You know, you know how we do. (laughs) Okay. I had uh, quite simply the most extravagant, the most over the top, the best, the greatest birthday celebration that any man has ever had now or forever in time. So <laughs> it's a little bit ridiculous to even have to ask that question to me right now. Well, I just want the listeners to to know how you get down, how your birthday celebrations are. You know, some new listeners, they may not know that you have crap. <laughs> your phone dropping. <laughs> uh, uh, they might not know about you, uh, you know, having the champagne flowing, the, the shrimp cocktail. We're popping bottles. You know, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing. No, I'm just, uh, I'm lying. Um, no, I had a good birthday weekend. Uh, kept a little low key, but, uh, you know, uh, we managed to do a uh, couple things here and there, keep things special. 
Um, Jeremy, you came out briefly. Um, what night was that? Saturday night? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, 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 we painted the round, the, the, the round, the town red. We, uh, we did some karaoke. We, we had a good time. Um, had an incredible birthday cake. Yes, that cake was amazing. Yeah, cake was fire. Um, had sushi the night before. So, you know, it was a good, good little, good little birthday weekend. Um, I didn't really want to do anything too big this year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, keeping it, you know, low key. Yeah, I kept it low key. Actually, I went to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy on my own yesterday. There was uh, some family circumstances. So I ended up, you know, I'm kind of on my own yesterday. And I was like, huh, well, I haven't, I haven't caught the latest Marvel outing. And uh, let me tell you, Four and a half. Very, very, very good movie. Um, cried a lot. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it was great. Uh, Floyd on uh, All Things Elite. He was singing the praises uh, about that movie. Uh, I, I don't. I've heard a lot of people say it's better than the original. I don't think I could quite say that, but I liked it a lot better than the second one. And this is easily the best superhero movie I've seen since at least like that Spider Man with the crossovers. Mm. Everything after that has been pretty mid out of Marvel in that, like, fate, what, they're in Phase 4, right? They just yeah. ended it? Yeah. Phase 4 was trash. Everything that was good in Phase 4 was, like, basically on TV. You had to have, like, Disney+. Plus. All the movies were just shite. So, yeah, but uh, I, I enjoyed that movie. That movie was sad, bro. Like, really, really sad. Like, easily the saddest movie they've had since, like, Endgame. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I need so. to catch that. I'm, I'm behind on Marvel. I haven't seen Ant Man. Haven't seen Guardians three yet. So yeah, I need I need to catch up. Yeah, Ant Man sucks. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> I, maybe I don't need to watch it then. <laughs> I, I love Ant Man. It's like uh, of it's one of my favorite franchises that they have for the movies, and I like I really really like the first and the second one, but that third one, boy, it's rough. Mm. Well, speaking of rough, let's talk about nose play. <laughs> Speak your truth, brother. This is a safe space. It doesn't matter what people on on Reddit and on you know the message board say about us. You can tell your truth to me, Jeremy. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about uh best of the Super Juniors. It, it has not. There have been some rough parts, so it hasn't been fully rough. But we'll start off with this question here. From uh, Def Triangle 720, how do you feel about the tournament so far? So, you know, we're recording this. This is, we're Tuesday night, uh, May 16th. So we have four shows in the book, plenty more to come this week. Actually, we're like a quarter, a third of the way through. Yeah, which is crazy. Uh, so, yeah, Josh, what are, you, what are your thoughts been on tournament thus far? All right, Jeremy, let me just say it this way okay today i put on what i thought was night four of best of the super juniors and i put on night three of <laughs> best of the super juniors and i watched an hour <laughs> of the show not even realizing that this was a show i had already seen two days prior <laughs> That good, huh? <laughs> so, no, it, it is not bad. I'm just telling you my experience with Best of the Super Juniors. Um, maybe we could space these out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, man, this tournament is just like drinking from a fire hose. You got 10 matches, four shows back to back to back. You know, I like it. You know, you're 5A block one night, 5B block another night. Take a couple nights off, then come back again, 5A block, then 5B block. Then you go crazy in the middle. You do one show, one show of all 10 matches, and then you go back to alternating. I mean, I appreciate what they're doing. Obviously, uh, the shows themselves are, in a vacuum, very easy watches. I mean, you know, there's nothing on the undercard. It's nothing but straight tournament matches. Boom, 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 boom. But we've talked about this format for the past two years now, where they've implemented this sort of strategy where it's like you have your A buck, your A block and your B block, and they're occurring concurrently at the same time. So unless you're tracking at home or you're following on a website, you don't have a good sense necessarily of what's occurring in each block. You kind of have to do a little bit of homework. And I'll tell you the truth, Jeremy, I, I'm here with you and I'm glad you've done the homework. I have not been tracking this stuff. <laughs> I'm sort of just living it in real time and experiencing it and then thinking like, damn, that was cool. I hope I remember that. Damn, that was cool. I hope I remember it. And after 12 hours, because each show is about three hours and you're talking about, you know, however many matches a lot, like how many matches are in each show? 10. Yeah. So you're talking about, 40 matches in 12 hours in four days with one with one break in between. It's hard to keep track of what exactly is going on. It's hard to get a vibe or a feel for how the booking of the tournament. I mean, you can see like small micro narratives, and I guess we'll break it down as we discuss the individuals. And we'll probably help give a more comprehensive picture to the fans ourselves. And, you know, I, I don't even fault Kevin Kelly necessarily for not being able to do this because there's only so much time he's got to cover the matches and, and do what he can do on the air. But like, they're not giving us infographics. They're not giving us a, a breakdown of who, where everybody is necessarily. And it's a, uh, it's a little daunting and it's not necessarily the most user friendly or intuitive tournament to follow. Yeah, they usually don't throw up like the rankings until like the very end when people are like, already leaving the building and doing like, the post kind of promo stuff. So yeah, it is kind of hard to follow when you have th- this format and you know people are like, you know, one of you want like a, just a, a great show of ten matches and yes, that sounds good. But when you have this round robin tournament and you want to analyze, all right, what's the story in A block? Who's the leader? Who's you know the underdog? Who's falling behind? Who's the underperformer? It's hard to kind of analyze that stuff when it's one big card thrown out there uh, versus, you know, when you have a normal format that they used to do and what they do for G1 where you have a a dedicated night for each block. You can kind of be like, all right, here's what's happening in the A block. You know, this person, he's undefeated. He's leading the top star. He's behind. He has it's kind of a little bit easier to figure out the story was going on now it's all kind of mushed together and so you're like wait was this guy in the b block or is he in the a block and so like you yeah it, it's i had some of those moments too as i was watching trying to catch up with these shows i'm like yeah i hope i remember some of the, some of these spots and moves uh especially for the last show today I, I had to do the the james boyd uh bells ring bell ring method to watch a show you know skip the entrances bell rings hit play pinfall 
skip to the next pin, next bell ringing. So, yeah, it, it's a lot to keep up with. Yeah, and it's just it's one of those things where if we'd had a day or so more in between, that might have really helped here. So that's also something to take into consideration. I also, I'm not entirely sure why they have everything so crammed together. Um, There could definitely be business reasons as to why this is the case that we're not necessarily privy to. You know what I mean? Um, Maybe they were only able to get certain outside talents for particular dates and that necessitated them having to do, you know, this kind of short turnaround. It also might have something to do with the amount of shows that they're running outside of the tournament and they only have this small window of time. I'm not totally sure what kind of was the driving factor behind them having to do it this way. But, um, like I said, the shows in a vacuum are fine. They're very good. They're very easy to watch. But the the narrative of the tournament is a bit lost. And that's part of the fun of, you know, a round-robin tournament like Best of the Super Juniors. I sort of feel like what's going to end up happening is we're going to get down to, like, the last night. And then everything's going to come into picture and focus. But until that time, <laughs> like... They're kind of like, you're off on your own. Like, we're just going to hammer through, drill through this. And like, you're either with us or you're not, you know? Um, So that's kind of just what it is, what it is. Now, one thing that I think we'll be better at doing is we've seen all these matches. We've seen the stories that individuals are experiencing. And then we kind of know Gato's booking. So that will give us a little bit of a clue as to the arcs of each individual. And then once we take those narratives and kind of break them down within a block, you and I might have a better holistic picture here because, uh, you know, even just starting the show, I don't have a, a great vibe or feel for exactly what's happening within the context of the blocks. Yeah. I'm right there with you. It wasn't until like I started like putting the run out together. I kind of got a, a somewhat of an idea, but I think, yeah, as we kind of talk through these guys in the block, I think, at the end, we'll both kind of get a better idea of like, all right, what's the story and kind of what's the expectations are for the remainder of the tournament. The other thing, too, um, that, you know, I want to bring up before we move on. How freaking awesome is this year's uh, Best of the Super Juniors intro? Oh, man, it's amazing. I, I feel like I'm, <laughs> you know, I got Toonami on. I'm watching some kind of anime. It's great, you know. Uh, I forget the name of the band, but yeah, it's a great opening song. I think their name is BTK. Is, is that is that it? No, that's not the Korean band, right? Actually, I don't. Or BTS. I said, oh yeah, BTS. <laughs> I said BTK. I think that's a serial murder. Uh, but yeah, the, yeah. the song is great. Yeah, I'm, I, it gets you all pumped, and you know, one, two, three. Yeah, it's 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 a good song. Yeah, but what's funny is like there's random English lyrics thrown in there that don't. There's one part it's like dive into the white forest. Like what? <laughs> what white forest, sir? Do you want me to dive into? <laughs> yeah, and there's a part where it's like yeah, uh, I think it says like junior lions roar or something like that. Yeah, the junior lions roar. But there's um, it it totally feels like it reminds me a lot of like the introduction to like Hajime no Ippo. I really love this year's countdown intro. And even just the style that they shot the entrances, like the the video with everybody, and it's 
completely anime inspired. It's really, 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 really cool. Um, one other thing that I've noticed, and I don't understand it, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking on it, but they have spent a lot of time every night talking about it, is this freaking onion. What's the deal with Kevin Kelly and his onion? Dude, I have no idea. An onion's been sitting there at the commentary table, the English commentary table, and it just it wasn't on today's show, but the first three nights it was there. I don't know why it's there. What's the what is that? <laughs> is that like the, I don't know? Somebody's coming in and they're going to be like an onion gimmick. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's been really weird, but <laughs> I I know there's someone out there that if we got through this show, they're like they didn't mention the onion. <laughs> And it's like, nah, let's get that out of the way first off first. Then one, uh, one star review. They don't they don't talk about the onion. <laughs> they didn't bring up the onion. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that's gonna hurt Kevin Kelly, his standings for this year's Observer Awards best uh best announcer, you know. <laughs> Can't be talking about onions on the desks. Weird shit. <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's start uh, breaking these blocks down. So we're going to start with the A block. We'll talk about each competitor, the, the matches they had. Um, I think that'll be a more comprehensive way than going show by show. Uh, so we'll start off with the top of the A block right now, the leader. I, I hate show. I don't like to go show by show because he's just mid, you know? Oh, oh don't worry. We're going to bury him. It's, it's going it's to take us a while to get to him, but we'll, we'll get the show. <laughs> uh, we're going to start off with uh, Leo Rush, the bad child, the man of the hour. He is the sole man on top of the A block right now. He's 4-0, and undefeated. He has eight points. So on the sole man, Rocky Johnson. <laughs> Uh, on night one, uh, Leo defeated Show four minutes and twenty seconds. Night two, he defeated Risuke Deguchi five minutes and nineteen seconds. Night three, in the main event, he defeated Hiromu Takahashi eighteen minutes and eleven seconds. And then on today's show, night four, he defeated the Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori sixteen minutes fifty six seconds. Once again, in the main event. So, um, Leo Rush has definitely been a standout in the A block. Not only in kayfabe, obviously he's sitting at the top of the block. He's gone on a very early run, undefeated. Um, but also just in terms of his, uh, you know, what he's been getting done in between the ring ropes. Uh, he's been very, very good. Um, the first two nights, like the match with show and then, um, night two the match that he had with uh taguchi i don't know if either of those would be necessarily standout matches that you can point to on his resume and say like see look this is a guy that's uh you know really pushing things necessarily but because they have this format that we've talked about since the top of the show where every single competitor is you know wrestling there are guys who are being uh, it's necessary for them to have four, five, six-minute matches, which is kind of nice. But also, it's it's another talking point that we haven't brought up that there are some guys that like it's they kind of get a night off for some of these tournament matches, and that's sort of what we saw the first two nights with Leo and Show, and then Leo and Taguchi, and and we'll talk about Taguchi, but he's been less of a night off guy 
this year, uh, as opposed to previous years, a lot less comedy shtick. So that was a, a good outing. But where Leo's really shined were these last two nights, night three and night four, both main events. And um, yeah, he went 18 minutes and 11 seconds with Hiromu. He went 16 minutes plus with Taiji Ishimori. Two of the big stalwarts of the junior division. Um, you know, Hiromu is obviously the current reigning IWGP champion. Leo was able to defeat him. Uh, this is a return match from their prior, uh, you know, the title challenge he had it back in like February of this year where he failed to uplift the title off of Hiromu. Kind of got his uh, revenge there in one of the standout matches of the tournament so far. And then uh, earlier today, he had another return match against Ishimori, a guy who we had talked about in the past as being like a dream opponent because of both of these guys, you know, athletic prowess and how fast they both are. They're both like speedsters. Uh, I would say Leo rushed a little bit more than Ishimori, but when he, you know, Ishimori, when he wants to turn on, he's still able to do that. And the first match they'd had back uh, a year or so ago in Texas was sort of, it was a strong taping match and it was a little bit disappointing this yeah, that, time uh, we, autumn attack tour autumn attack. That's right. This time we sort of got a, a better opportunity to see what these guys uh, could do in the ring together. Um, I didn't think the quality of the match was quite up to snuff with what Leo and Hiromu had done the night prior, but it was also a very, very good outing. And you know, Leo here, Le, here he is Leo rush. He's had uh, four matches and he's undefeated. He's running the, you know, the table. Yeah, Leo has been looking great. You know, he's one of the guys that, you know, once they were released from WWE, it's like, yeah, we, we, we want to see Leo in a New Japan environment. We want to see him in a best Super Juniors just because of how super talented he is um, in the ring. And, yeah, he's looked great all four nights, especially, like you mentioned, in those two main events with Hiromu and Ishimori. And those are two really important key wins to get uh, this point in the tournament. You know that. Uh, Hiromu is a champion and Ishimori is a former champion and a guy that they push heavily uh, those guys are going to come up in, in the top of the block so in a tiebreaker scenario I know you got, got the top two going but in the case where you have three guys tied I mean Leo has two really big tiebreaker wins there over Ishimori over Hiromu um, and yeah Leo just looking great a lot of great high flying stuff his low pays um, the, the final rush uh, frog splash um, the, the final hour stunner that he does. He's been looking really great um, throughout the ring here. And, you know, his promos have been uh, pretty fiery, too. You know, he's been talking a lot about doing things for his family. He has his kids' names written on his wrist tape, and he's been calling the New Japan fans his family as well. And he mentioned on today's, you know, backstage promo the how, you know, he, he flew on, on a plane to England, and from England he flew to Japan, and, um, you know, thoughts of... Uh, you know, being depressed, depressed, and wanting to off himself, but not doing that because he knows that he has to do, to provide for his kids and he has to uh, do it for the fans and his his family. So, really fiery promos at the end of both night three and four, and in the backstage comments, the crowd seems to be really into him as well and getting over that way. So. Yeah, like you mentioned, Leo's been a standout and one of the, the top guys to watch in the A block. 
Yeah, that the the promo that he cut today backstage where he mentioned, you know, there was allusions to his struggles coming into the tournament and he talked about suicide. Um I'm not sure what the right thing to say is about that, but I felt like that was something where you just kind of hope that he gets the support and help that he potentially needs in a situation like that. Somebody who deals with, uh, you know, depression myself very heavily. um, I could only imagine how difficult it is to be in such a demanding sport, traveling, taking time apart from your family, which is something that he, you know, discussed and we are sort of uh, knowledgeable about, you know, the, some of the struggles that he's been public about, whether it's, you know, um, him taking to like dealing with injuries or the times where he's had to step away from, from the sport. And it does feel like ever since he came to new Japan, he sort of found a, a better kind of foothold in terms of a place that might be, providing a bit of stability for his career. But um, I don't know. I, I don't want to judge what he said and say, like, he shouldn't have said that. But there is a part of me that thinks, like, man, I don't know if, like, that's the best thing to say because while it is potentially honest, it causes a lot of, like, fear and concern where it's like, is this even the best thing for him right now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think it. On one hand, it's kind of good because it kind of keeps New Japan officials on high alert, mm-hmm. uh, making sure I'm sure he's probably traveling with the chaos bus. But yeah, just kind of checking in on him, just making sure that he's good and kind of getting the help or whatever he needs uh, during this grueling tour. Um, Did you now, I guess, moving beyond just that talking point, I think we're both in agreement. The standout match of his tournament so far was the match with Hiromu. Uh, beating Hiromu is a very, that's huge. And it's also a very big, uh, you know, like you mentioned, it's going to make a difference down the stretch when it comes to points. Um, In terms of quality, I think I still liked their title match from earlier in the year. I think it was at New Japan Cup this year. I think I liked that match better than this one. What were your feelings? Yeah, I did like the title match better than this one. I went four and a quarter on the, the Hiroma match this night three main event. Uh, it was a great match, but there was just something that was a little off compared to the title match. And I don't know if it was just the atmosphere of the town or just maybe just the layout of the match. I mean, still a, a great main event, one of the best matches of the tournament. But when you're comparing that to the title match that, that they had earlier this year, I felt the title match was a little bit was superior to this match, but still a great main event. I wonder if it's because uh, Hiromu knew, knew he was doing the J-O-B. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do think it might have had something to do with the crowd, although this crowd was very into it. And um, one thing you have to say for Leo Rush is he's he's always gotten good reactions in New Japan, but it it's starting to feel like even in these smaller uh, arenas that they're running that the crowd is firmly behind him and that he's got a lot of support. And so he's done a great job endearing himself to the new Japan audience and, and fan base there in Japan domestically. They, they really do believe in him. And even in this match with Hiromu, who's one of the most popular athletes, like the crowd was pretty split, which is a good sign for a guy like him coming in as a guy, you know? Yeah. And you know, it's, it's crazy to think this is like the first 
cheering super full cheering super juniors since 2019. Um, so it's been great to have uh, the crowd interaction. Great to have no guardrails um, for the tournament. Yeah, the the return to no guardrails has been really cool. Um, that's been noticeable, and it is great that they have the crowds back. But I will say this: the crowds haven't made that big a difference to me as opposed to some of the earlier tours and and major shows in 2023 where like it was markedly different and you're like damn like look at uh dantaku or like look at new japan cup finals like we're back this these crowds haven't felt that different than what we had last year with the clap crowds for super juniors tour you know what i mean yeah i think corkin's probably been one of the hottest crowds on this stretch mm-hmm. so far which they normally are but yeah they've they've been in kind of some weirder venues and, and cities and they i think they typically do sometimes or i don't know what it is but you know they were like second night like uh kevin kelly called it a you know a partial sellout um so there was like some arenas where they weren't fully sold out and like you mentioned Maybe some of the crowds are still kind of easing back into the fully cheering after, you know, the restrictions are so long. But, yeah, the, the energy level, like, if you went back to 2019 Super Junior, like, those crowds were, like, rabid for pretty much every show compared to how yeah. they are this year. And um, what you said about Cork, and I think that first night showed in general, top to bottom, has been the most enjoyable Super Junior show of the tour and really kick things off and things got better during night three, night four, but night two was sort of a low point of the tour, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely agree with what you said there about, uh, this just not having that rapid crowd feeling that I'm sort of used to from like a G one or like a super junior tour. Um, so that's kind of, maybe that will change as time goes on. We're only four nights in, but I also have to wonder if it has anything to do with the structure of the show, having this many single. And it almost sounds like, you know, we're complaining about getting so many singles matches and singles matches are a scarce resource and a rarity in new Japan. And you almost want to always be thankful that you're getting, you know, there are times where we get one or two on a show. We're like, damn, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And now we got 10 and we're like, this is too much. And it's not the fact that it's too much, but what it what I've noticed is that like on a regular Super Junior Tour night, right? You have your undercard matches, which is like maybe four tag team matches. You're talking about an hour that gets killed right there, and then usually the last two hours of the evening are five tournament matches split over two hours, and that gives everybody a good amount of time to work, and then. You know, the guys at the top, usually the co-main event and main event get the most time. And while that is a little predictable in a certain sense, like you can kind of see who's in the main events there and get it's a little bit easier to kind of predict what the booking trajectories of the shows are going to be. The nice thing there is it gives everybody that's on the tour those spots to really shine. And in this structure because there's no undercard, you're having the early matches having to be sub 10 minutes in some cases, you know, sub seven, six, five. And then the last, 
match pretty much is the one that's getting most of the time. And it's not allowing everybody to showcase really what they're capable of doing. And so there's some big matches that are occurring that we're, and I guess we'll get to it, but we're watching them happen and we're like, oh, that was cool. But it was like eight minutes and it's over and, and you move on. And then yeah. there's so much that happens on the show that you kind of forget even what it was <laughs> that occurred. And I'm noticing they're doing a lot more like smoke and mirrors on these tours as well, because Taguchi's sort of playing straight man. And so they're having to have like show and different people use a lot of gimmicks and, and things to kind of facilitate that night off role yeah. for some guys. So uh, last thing here before we move on from Leo, a uh, question from Grunty Dodds is over the past couple of years, Josh has been critical of Leo Rush, saying his ring work wasn't nearly as good as it was before he joined the WWE. Personally, I am completely ignorant to his career prior to 2020. Would you say that his matches against Hiromu are him at his best, or is he still not at his peak? Um, That's a tough question to answer. I think that I don't know if I would sit here and say, like, this is the peak of what I think Leo Rush is capable of. Um... It might be. Uh, This is the best he's looked in years, certainly. And I think it's probably on par with some of the top end matches he had in, say, like WWE when he was doing like 205 Live and NXT and stuff like that. Um, Definitely the injuries have taken a toll on on him. And there's no getting around it. The matches he's had with Hiromu have been very much standout matches, probably probably at this point, one of the best of his career. Um, It was never an issue with him when I complained about Leo Rush not having good matches in his post-WWE run. It wasn't me saying Leo couldn't still go. It was more like, I don't know if he's motivated to perform at the best of his abilities, and I don't know if he has the right dance partners on the indies to do that either. Um, although there were some exceptions where I'd see like him and Laredo kid, or I'd see him and Blake Christian and they would have what I would, what I would consider to be like disappointing matches. Um, and in new Japan, he's been putting his best foot forward. Uh, the tag team that, uh, that he had with show, they had really great matches as well. So I think we're seeing, I don't know if I could say the best of Leo rush ever because in his early years, he was so dynamic mm-hmm. But this might be the best that he's capable of right now. Yeah, and I think it's probably the most consistent he's been in a while. Um, you know, he's been with New Japan for a couple of years now, um, and this run has been really good for him. Stuff that he did on Strong, and then like you mentioned, yeah, teaming up with uh, Yo and that that team there, and then some of the single stuff that he's doing now has all been. Really consistent, consistently very good, um, and so yeah, like for any wrestler, as they get older, they're not going to be as fast or jump as high. But I think he's kind of hitting that like well rounded of like he's kind of hitting a stride right now. I think. Well, one thing before we move on to, and I think it's worth mentioning. So Leo Rush undefeated, he's sitting at the top. It's very likely that between now and next week, he's probably going to take some losses because it's very typical that somebody goes on an early run, they rack up a lot of wins, and they start streaking, and then 
you start getting the spoiler type matches. And so he's already gotten like show and Taguchi, two guys that can definitely play spoiler to him. They're out of the way. And then Hiromu and Ishimori are out of the way, but he still has Mike Bailey, Teton, TJP, Doki, Kushida. Those are guys that, um, you know, are all, and one thing they've been doing in this tournament, they uh, even though he's one of the few undefeated individuals, almost everybody seems to be taking pinfalls and doing jobs. Mm-hmm. And they're doing them for pretty much any and everybody. So this has been a very unselfish tournament so far. Um, don't be surprised if, because I'm not sure if Leo is going to be a finalist in this block one way or the other. But um, if he is these big wins that he has over Ishimori and Hiromu are going to go a long way, but I I'm anticipating that he kind of gets knocked down a little bit in the next week in some of these bigger matches. Yeah. That's kind of like you mentioned the kind of the typical trajectory or story of a guy that starts out on top kind of streaks at the wrong time of the tournament. Uh, so yeah, with five matches left, you know, normally I would say a guy that's on top of the block usually ends six and three maybe seven and two to get to that that 14 point so i think he's definitely going to eat at least three losses probably in in the next week and will potentially end up with just 12 points which will still probably have him being potentially uh an a1 or a2 guy well it looks like night nine is the last night of a block action and he's got mike bailey that night so that's a really big one Mm -hmm. um I've got a feeling that that might be a deciding match for either guy to get into the, you know, the uh, semifinals. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next guy here, the Bone Soldier, Taiji Ishimori. He's 3-1. and one. He's got six points. So night one, he defeated Taguchi, 3 minutes and 54 seconds. Night two, he defeated Teton, 9 minutes and 24 seconds. Night three, he defeated Doki, in nine minutes, 31 seconds. And like we mentioned on night four, he lost to Leo Rush, 16 minutes and 56 seconds. Yeah, Ishimori is interesting. Um, this is someone who has the reputation um, of being, you know, this dynamo in the ring. And, and we definitely know he's capable of that when needed to be called upon to go out there and, and really deliver at a top level. But, um, I don't know. It's kind of like a dirty little secret, Jeremy. I feel like the last time I really remember being blown away by Ishimori, and I'm not saying he hasn't had great matches since then, but like that G or that uh, Super Juniors where he was a finalist against Shingo, and it was the you know the the was that 2019, 2019 when, yeah when Shingo and her and uh, Will Osprey ended up in the finals together. Ishimori got injured and was on the shelf for a while and then had to return. And I feel like he's never really been the same guy since that time. And even before that, there were rumblings that, you know, there were bouts of laziness and inconsistency when it came to Ishimori and, you know, a couple big matches come to mind, like him and Hiromu in the Tokyo dome a couple years ago, that was a really great match. And he's had some very good matches, but new Japan has seemed pretty insistent on continuing to push Ishimori as a top end commodity. He always gets 
really good booking. He wins titles. You know, he's a dominant guy in the division. But I don't really, me personally as a fan, I don't see Ishimori that way. And I'm always kind of shocked when they go with him uh, because I just find myself, not that he's not good still. He's a smart wrestler. He's, he's a great character and he can get heat. But I just find myself a little bored with Ishimori. And I think there's a role for him in New Japan. But I'm not sure that it's unlike Kanemaru's role at this point, maybe like a top end tag team guy and someone who can challenge for titles and maybe even win them. But like they've continued to put him in the upper echelon with like Desperado and Hiromu. And I, I don't see him that way. And in this tournament, aside from the Leo rush match, you know, maybe he's a little bit suffering from the, the structure of the evenings. Like I discussed how some of the guys are getting less time, but to his matches are pretty much what you, they're the same every time he's going to go after their shoulder. He's going to take them outside to the post and ram them into the post. And then he's going to focus on that shoulder and either go for like a, a bone lock or, you know, a super shoulder breaker or something like that. And it's, it's pretty old hat and there's not a lot for me to get invested into one way or the other. Right, and you know, with a guy like Ishimori, you know, I saw a clip of him from like Noah on Twitter where he does this like crazy, like spinning, you know, elbow thing, elbow drop. Yeah, so you know, obviously, you know, those days are gone. He's he's older now, and he he's put on a lot more muscle, and then has really kind of transitioned into more of a, a power junior. But I absolutely agree with you on the structure of his matches. I mean. This guy, it's almost kind of like when you, you know, you hear about like house show loops where two guys wrestle different towns, but they do the same match in different towns. Yeah, that's kind of like how he's wrestling, except he's wrestling different guys. (laughs) Um, And so obviously I I know that his finisher is the bone lock and he's going to focus on that shoulder and arm. But it's been, yeah, the same setup, throw the shoulder into the ring post. You know, the, the shoulder breaker, like, he kind of does the same, it's kind of the same exact match structure, just switch the guy out, and he's doing that to, you know, set up and, and go for the bone lock. And I think once, when you have a submission body part finisher, you, you got to find some creative ways to attack the, the limb and not just do the same thing over. And you see stuff like that with guys like Zack Sabre Jr. and, and Brian Danielson, some of these really great submission wrestlers who know how to, attack a body part and make it unique to that story of the match and not just do the same kind of sequence over and over again, each matchup. Yeah. That was some, I I was thinking that exact sentiment that there are guys out there who have gone through the same things you're talking about. They're less dynamic. They're less physical in the ring. They're not able to do the things that they were able to do when they were younger. And they've had to rely on other aspects of their craft but they still remain wildly entertaining, you know? And to me, that's not Ishimori right now. Um, I think he's got a good character and he's great in the backstage on promos and stuff like that. But in between the, the ropes, it's, I find it lackluster. Um, now, as far as the kayfabe goes, night, he was going into night four with the match with Leo Rush with, two points to prove number one he was undefeated leo rush one of the favorites in the block so that was a big 
that was a big match where he kind of needed that win because that could definitely play a role into who gets into the semifinals uh, after night nine. So that's a pretty crushing loss. The other thing too, is he'd already been beaten by Leo rush back at autumn attack in the past in North America and was angling for a return match for a very, very long time. And it finally was here. And now he's, you know, I guess they're telling a story where this guy's sort of got his number because mm-hmm. he's lost him twice now. And, you know, that's kind of interesting as well. It, I, I think it remains to be seen what happens between them down the line, if anything, but I could see them maybe engaging in like tag team matches again down the line as well. But, uh, yeah, that was a pretty big loss for him, and he's going to have to really make up some, you know, make up ground by beating some pretty big names. Um, he still has Hiromu um, in his future, and I feel like if he doesn't beat Hiromu, uh, then his there's a good chance his tournament's already done, even though he's 3-1 right now. Yeah, I mean, they're looking at the rest of his opponents, I feel like they're all people that are very beatable for him, especially the way they push him. Um, so I think he's definitely going to be one of those guys that's going to be alive towards the, the last full A block night and could be one of those guys that's going to be competing for one of the, the A1 or A2 spots. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm in total agreement. He could, and he's actually beaten Hiromu quite a few times as well. So, and anybody that's in front of him is going to be beatable. Um, you know, and he, I think his next matchup is with Kushida. They haven't um, wrestled each other since Kushida's last really major junior match before he went off to WWE. So that's going to be a very uh, fun and exciting match that he's got coming up. But it is one of those things where, like, Hiromu's the guy you kind of need to beat. And he's already taken a loss to Mike Bailey, and he's already taken a loss to Leo Rush. I find it difficult to believe that he's going to lose four at, you know, four times three to me would be the max in this tournament, Mm -hmm. depending on whether you have him slotted to make it into one of those uh, tournament blocks or not. My feeling, I think he takes three losses and is tied with the guys that go into the block, you know? Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. And so, that will have to work its way out. However, that ends up being the case. But like for Taiji Shimori, it it becomes imperative at this point because he's right up there with Leo Rush and Bailey, and they've both already beaten Hiromu. He's got to beat Hiromu. I really think if he doesn't beat Hiromu, he's probably done. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, Mike Bailey. Let's talk about him. Speedball Mike Bailey. He's also three and one with six points. On night one in the main event, he defeated Hiromu Takahashi, 16 minutes and 40 seconds. Night two, he defeated Cho, 12 minutes and 10 seconds. Night three, he defeated TJP, 13 minutes and one second. And then on night four, he got his first loss. He lost to Kushida, 9 minutes and 26 seconds. Yeah, um, I think right now, for me... Speedball might be the standout of the A block. Um, His matches have just been incredible. He himself is incredible when it comes to, you know, the actual wrestling. I'm a little bit kind of confused as to this 
gimmick that he's sort of doing with the the, the grin and the smile. <laughs> because I, I've seen Mike Bailey wrestle quite a bit over the years. And yeah, he does have that statuesque thing that he does with the big shit-eating grin. But it's not this over-the-top robotic and maintained all throughout. And I'm not sure what he's trying to convey or emote. Uh, I think it kind of stemmed from what he was doing at the uh, the Super Juniors uh, press conference where he, but I don't know. To me, this is like weird. It, it's weird as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else that's on like com- like the commentators and stuff, they seem to like it, and I don't. I haven't been watching the backstage comments because I've been so pressed on time <laughs> because yeah. of how condensed everything is. So I don't know how other competitors in the tournament are perceiving him or whatever. But I don't know how this gets him over. <laughs> I feel like he's getting over because of his work in the ring, in spite of the weird entrance. But maybe I don't know. Maybe it's endearing him to the people. I don't know. I, do you get it? What What am I missing? Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't really watch Impact, so I'm not sure what he's like doing over there with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, even on commentary, they, they've kind of mentioned that he is kind of a, you know, an odd guy and. Um, yeah, I think he's just one of those kind of unique kind of personalities, and so yeah, I don't know if this is kind of a thing where he's just like, you know, I'm so happy to be in Japan, so I'm just um, gonna be smiling uh, the whole time. Um, but I think even though it's weird, it kind of fits him because he is weird. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's one of those things where it's like, um, I just feel like it's it screams mid card. In a major promotion, you know what I mean? Yeah, like the smiley, happy-go-lucky baby face. I, I wouldn't even call it that. Like, he's weird. It's kind of <laughs> creepy if you really think about it. It's a guy that's just walking, he's like, ah. like, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, in terms of the actual work, him and Hiromu, uh, one of the very, very best matches of the entire tournament, that was night one, and he came out, you know, like, just a uh, rocket strapped to his back because he beat Hiromu right out the gate. That was a huge, huge uh, declaration of his intentions and to showcase to everybody that he's a player. That kind of said to me one of two things. He's either going to make a play in this tournament and potentially be a finalist, or this is his big win and when it comes down the stretch, he's going to fumble the bag a little bit and mm. still have this big win over Corona to kind of point to regard, like he'll still have a great tournament, but that might be the indication that he's not winning the whole thing. But since then he's beaten show and then he beat TJP in a very, very good match. And then he suffered his first major loss to Kushida via heel hook earlier today in, um, you know, one of the shorter matches, nine minutes, 26 seconds, but uh, top to bottom, I've really enjoyed what uh, Mike Bailey has been doing in terms of matches. And he's one of the few guys that you can really depend on every night to go out there and kind of blow you away. Yeah. He's been absolutely incredible. You know, we've got questions for weeks leading up to super juniors, you know, who do you want in the tournament? And every week I said, speedball, Mike Bailey, like this guy is incredible and he, and he's proving why he should be in the tournament and why I wanted him there so badly. Like every night he's having these um, great standout performances, super charismatic, great in the ring, the the kicks, the, you know, the springboard moonsaults, the, the flipping knees at the, the Ultima, the final Ultima or whatever he calls it, uh, the, the spinning knees off the top rope. Like that's been great. Like everything he's done 
Like he just hits with such precision And they've been mentioning that on commentary How he's kind of improved uh, Just the precision of his striking And, and his timing And it's just been uh, really great to watch For me the match of Hiromu Is the, the match of the tournament thus far I went four and a half on that And like you mentioned How they positioned him um, I think was definitely a key indicator Like alright this guy's going to be a player So we saw other new, new debuts last year Guys like you know Ace Austin and Alex Zane um, Those guys got over But they weren't You know on the first night Getting a big main event with Hiromu And winning This was the first night main event They put him in there They kind of treat him as a, as a top star And that's how he's kind of being positioned um, But like you said Even though he, he does have this momentum right now And being 3-1 and one, He could still end up like you mentioned, fumbling this coming up week and ending up still top, like towards the top half of the block, but not being in contention to get into A1, A2. But based off of the schedule, like you mentioned, him and Leo Rush as one of the last A block matches, it definitely seems like that's going to be a play in for A1 or A2. Yeah, the the Hiromu match, just looking at cage match right now, it's the sixth highest rated match for 2023, and it's sitting at an 8.82. So that really tells you that a lot of people very much enjoyed that match, and a lot of people saw it as well. Which yeah, is that good. show was free, so yeah, a lot of people yeah were tuning in for that one. Um. Yeah, and then the other match of his that I thought really was standout was the one with TJP as well. Yes, that was really great. That was really cool. So um, he's been really enjoyable to watch. Uh, I think we have some questions here concerning Mike Bailey. Yeah, Rambo and Slam Picks says, Is Mike Bailey the next foreign star to find a regular place in the junior division? It seems like the sky is the limit for him. If so, what faction do you think he would fit with? Anything is possible. Of course, and we've seen guys make the jump after, you know, coming into tournaments. But at the same time, and I'm just kind of basing this off of two things. Number one, recently New Japan has been very withholding when it comes to bringing in foreign talent. It sort of seems that they have like a only in the cases of like extreme necessity to bring in outsiders um so a guy that's from impact then bringing him in i mean i don't know if i see that being the case especially considering last year there were several guys that had really great showings for themselves seemed to endear themselves to the crowd you know um and then never really were brought back too much like ace austin and like um who else am i thinking of alex zane yeah, Alex Zane, he, he came back for a tour, but he hasn't been back, and I'm not sure why. So even though someone does well in a tour like this for Super Juniors, it's not a, um, it's not a guarantee that they're going to be back. The other thing, too, though, is he is contracted to Impact Pro Wrestling, and I don't know how long that will be. And they might have a happy enough relationship to where if he saw an opportunity for himself to work in Japan and that was a goal, maybe that could be communicated and they'd let him go off and do that once his contract is up. But it's, you know, generally speaking, not a good practice to poach the talent of the, of the companies that you're working with. So for there seems to be a lot of barriers as to whether he would ever be like 
fully plugged into New Japan in that way. A best case scenario is maybe he were to be talent shared, similar to like how Dragon Lee was back in the day with CMLL and ROH for the time being. Because without that being the case right now, I just don't see him being a regular fixture in New Japan. And it's mainly political more so than anything else. Right. And even you look at Ace Austin and Chris Bay, those guys are a part of the Bullet Club, part of one of the big factions in New Japan. And they haven't been seen since Junior Tag League. Um, so even if he were to, quote unquote, become part of a faction, let's say he joins Chaos and he's repping Chaos and Impact, like, doesn't quite mean that we'd be seeing him as frequently as you think you would. Um, I'm amazed that. Uh... Teton is as plugged in with LIJ as he has been because I got the feeling like he'd come in, he would be here for like a couple tours doing the LIJ thing and then just kind of go back to CMLL, especially <laughs> since he's such a main guy there. But uh, they, they've seemed to do a, a good balancing act when it comes to him. So yeah, I think you bring up a good point. Like it's even if they got him into a faction, it's there's no guarantee. And for right now, I'm not going to get my hopes up that they're signing him or anything like that because he's signed somewhere else. Yeah. Then uh, Dragon Master Adams asks, I think Speedball has a good chance of making the top two of A Block. If so, who would you like to see him face from the B Block the most? For me, it would oh. be Kanamaru. Well, that's um, a. <laughs> That's a pretty lofty wish. I don't know if uh, I see that as being a certainty. I mean, Kenamaru, I, I like Kenamaru a lot, but I don't know if I see Kenamaru getting into one of those two spots. That is the kind of fun thing, though, with this, uh, you know, 1A, 1B, and all that sort of. What's the terminology we should be using for the finals? It's a, it's a semifinals. Okay. Because I've been calling it that, but that almost feels wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, or, or you could call it a playoff. It's kind of like a, you know, NFL. It's a semifinal playoff, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure or that I'm convinced that I see Kanemaru being the guy to get there. But because there are two slots, anything is possible. Um, I'm looking over the B-block list right now, and I'm trying to think, like, what match in particular do I think would just be the funnest to watch and i'm not basing this off of like predictions mind you i'm not telling you this is who i think he's going to wrestle and there's probably a lot of good reasons why this might not even be the case but if i had to just go based off purely off of my personal tastes it'd be robbie eagles yeah so i was gonna say too actually um yeah robbie eagles or ellis Parado. those would be my my two Top picks to see him face in the, in the semifinals. If I wasn't going with Eagles, I'd probably go Francesco Akira, but I think Desperado is another great pick. Yeah. So let's uh, move on to the next guy here. Teton also has uh, three wins and one loss, six points. So on night one, he defeated TJP, 11 minutes and 12 seconds. Night two, he lost to Taiji Ishimori. In 9 minutes and 24 seconds. Night 3, he defeated Kushida. 6 minutes and 1 second. And then night 4, he defeated Risuke Taguchi. 9 minutes and 21 seconds. Yeah, I, I don't feel like Teton has been standing out from the pack the way he did last year in the Super Junior Tournament. Where there was a lot more emphasis and focus on him. 
And part of it is he hasn't had a lot of main events just yet. I don't know how many he's slotted for. Haven't done a lot of study when it comes to the schedule here. Like I told you, I'm kind of just experiencing it in real time. But um, he's sort of quietly amassed this three and one record. Um, I was a little disappointed after night two when he did take that loss to Ishimori. Not because Ishimori can't beat him, but I was like, ugh. You know, to me, I was like, damn it, here we go. Titan, <laughs> Luchador, he's going to start going on a loss streak. And I figured what they were going to do was beat, beat him like a drum early and then give him those necessary wins at, down the tail end. So it's like, oh, look, he did good. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was five and four. <laughs> he was five and four, but you guys like beat him three times in the first five nights. <laughs> they haven't done that yet. And I think that is still, you know, it's coming. Um, but they have to give Teton respect because he is the one lone luchador representative that they've got from Mexico with their partners. And he, he is a world champion over there and he's also a main player there. So he's going to do, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's going to do as well as like some of the, the other Western stars like Leo Rush and Mike Bailey, but I'm not surprised that he's kind of quietly amassing these wins and he's got a really beautiful Muda lock this year is what he seems to be beating most people with. Yeah. And, you know, I think he's a victim of what we, you mentioned earlier, of, you know, the time, the timing and being earlier on the card. So, yeah, he hasn't been able to fully stand out and show everything he's got. But I do feel like he's a guy who is maximizing his minutes. And he has a lot of really cool dynamic moves that um, springboard DDT, tornado DDT that he does and, just a lot of his um, dives and some of his like Yave submissions, like he's um, great in the ring, and so I think he really kind of packs in those short minutes with um, a lot of cool stuff, and it's having uh, some really fun matches. Uh, that match with TJP, um, I thought was really was probably his best match out of this four here. A lot of great um, submission exchanges there, and obviously there's history there with um, Teton and uh, Bushi um, being. Going up against uh, Catch 2-2 and TJP and Akira. I mean, you're going to think I'm crazy for saying this, but I like the Taguchi match the best. Oh, okay. <laughs> there, were, there was some sloppiness, mind you. A um, couple, I, I noticed a few misdirections, but like once it got going, that match really got going. And I was like, damn. Like, <laughs> and um, Taguchi, we'll get to him, but he's not doing so hot. And I thought it was a. I thought there was a, a believable case that he could definitely beat Teton. So there was a sense of urgency in that match as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, Teton was uh, able to best him. And like you mentioned, he's a guy maximizing his minutes. I don't think he's standing out from the pack the way he did last year. But he's having very entertaining, very good matches every single night. Um, but I would say. Between now and next week, I would say look for him to go like 500. Pick up a couple wins, pick up a couple losses. Yeah. So next guy, the ticking time bomb, the current IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Hiromu Takahashi. He's 2-2 two and two right now. He has four points. Night one, like we mentioned, hate that loss to Speedball Mike Bailey in 16 minutes, 40 seconds. Night two, he defeated Doki, 12 minutes and 51 seconds. Night three, he lost to Leo Rush, 18 minutes and 11 seconds. And then on night four, he defeated Cho, 7 minutes and 38 seconds. You know, Jeremy, earlier I said that the standout for the A block 
might be Mike Bailey. And there's probably a little bit of truth to that. But when you look at the cage match ratings, is it any surprise that Hiromu is the guy with the most highly rated matches across the board? Now, he's also getting a lot of the big main event spots, and that probably has a lot to do with it. But then again, he is the current reigning champion of the company. But I mean, yeah, him and Mike Bailey, one of the top end matches of the tournament, him and Leo Rush, another one of those. And then even the match, you know, unsurprising to anybody else, the match with Doki is sitting at like a comfortable 7.43, which is it's probably like three and three quarters. So he's having a very, very good tournament, even if he's put over two foreign stars along the way. The, the one black eye on his tournament was today's match with show, which was kind of actually entertaining in its own fun way. Um, I would say of all the shenanigans field show matches, this is the one that like was the most zany and over the top, but it wasn't what most people would categorize as classically good wrestling. And if you're over the house of torture shtick, I could see a lot of people really hating that match. Yeah, well, I guess we'll talk about it now. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that magic. I mean, I just, I'm not in, I've not been into the whole show stuff, and we'll get to him and his whole thing he's been doing this tournament thus far. So, I mean, it was fine. Like, it was, uh, you know, a fun little break in between matches on the show, but ultimately, uh, for a best of Super Juniors and have something like that. I know they do normally have some kind of guy that's a shenanigan guy, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, this has been like way over the top. But in in today's match, Show came out with Evil. He's in street clothes. He gives a note to the uh, ring announcer stating that it was a note from Hiromu stating that he'd gotten flat tires and he couldn't make it to the match and that they needed to award the match to Show. And you know the the timekeeper and the announcer they're questioning it the referees questioning it and then after a certain period of time suddenly Hiromu's music comes on and he runs down to the ring and he's fully tied up his arms are tied up hands are tied up and he they start the match he's wrestling all tight all taped up and eventually is able to break free and um able to you know best the house of torture and get past all of the me and you know different tactics that uh show and evil through his way but uh, it wasn't a classically good wrestling match necessarily. Right. Um, but I'll say this. And I know we're not on show, but I've really hated show's tournament. At least this wasn't what he's been doing in the other matches. At least this, like, I like it when people say what they're saying without having to hide it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't like a... I don't like a, What do they call it? Like dog whistling? You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't like when people, like try to code what they're saying. I like when they're just outright and they wanted to tell us on this evening, this was a fuck off match. And I respected that, that they were able to, (laughs) they were able to just completely come forward and be like, this is bullshit. We are giving you bullshit. And I'm like, you know what? That wasn't the worst bullshit in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a lot worse when you, when you get worked into it. (laughs) Yeah. It's worse when you think you're going to see a good, you're like, maybe, who knows, bro? It's Super Juniors. Show's got new gear on. Look, he's got like he's got red colored gear. This might be good. You never know. Like, look at the history with these guys. And then they go out there. And you're like, oh fuck! But like <laughs> with this one, they didn't hide it at all. You know, 
So it was easier to kind of like accept putting that aside. Um, yeah, Hiromu beat Doki. I was disappointed by that. So was I, I, man. I wanted Doki. I thought I thought Hiromu was gonna, you know, be eating like maybe three losses at first after after and do the comeback story. Yeah, after losing to Bailey the first time, I'm like, come on, Doki, beat this man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want. I did not want that to happen necessarily because the the comeback story is usually a key indicator that they're going to the finals, and I'm like, I don't know if I need Hiromu (laughs) in these finals at this point, but um, he's had. Three stellar matches, two amazing main events, and then uh, you know whatever that was with show. But um, <laughs> it is interesting. Hiromu's got chinks in his armor. Two big losses, regardless of whether his challenger comes from A block or not. He's got two ready-made challengers waiting in the rings, rings in the wings, and they're both guys that um, can really go and give him compelling matchups and. I think if they're smart, they will set up the majority of his next immediate challengers in this tournament because with the idea that he's going for this 12 defense record um, and there's only so much limited time to kind of accomplish something like that, it's good to get these title challengers lined up. And I hope that these people that have beaten him get Title, you know, because that's not always the case. You you don't always have a champion who loses in a tournament turn around and defend against everybody that might have potentially beat him. They sometimes only focus on one of those big matches. But I, I think that there's something here, especially with like with this potential all-star junior festival in the US. That's a date where you could do something like this. They have mm-hmm. resurgence as well, or not resurgence, but you know, like the uh the strong pay-per-view tapings. Those are opportunities to maybe match him up with these guys as well as whatever they want to do on the big shows upcoming for New Japan moving forward. Yeah, I know for uh, Forbidden Door, it'll be in Canada. So, I mean, I know Mike Bailey's from Canada. You, you could do uh, Mike Bailey versus Hiromu there if you're going to do New Japan versus New Japan kind of things uh, on the Forbidden Door card. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of cool options they can do with guys who can challenge him all throughout the, the summer and during G1 season, especially if they do some more shows in the States during G1. Um, but with Hiromu um, being 2-2 two and two right now, I think over the next week, um, he's going to be kind of going this kind of back and forth. I think he's going to get more wins um, and get closer up to the top um, and kind of catch up with Speedball and Leo Rush. I think the guy that he needs to be on the lookout for down, you know, looking at the rest of his remaining tournament, because like I said, I find it hard to believe he loses four times. I mean, I could see him. Lo- oh, let me take that back. In regular tournament play, I think that three losses is the max. If he if he loses three times, he can finish the tournament parity based with somebody else and either get in or not get into the semifinals. Once he's in the semifinals. All bets are off. From there, he could, and I would imagine he would likely take at least a fourth loss because I don't see him being in the finals of his own tournament, although you never know with Gato. That is something Gato likes to do is, like, give us a big match, do it in the middle of the tournament, then do it in the finals, and then have them, re- you know, he likes to do trilogies like that sometimes, and I'm hoping they they he stick, like he stays away from the urge to uh <laughs> 
to do something like that. Like I remember one year he did something similar to that, like with uh, Okada in the G1 and him and Ibushi. And I, I hated it because we got them in the middle of the tournament and then in the finals and then, you know, at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, with that all being said, I think Kushida is the guy he needs to be worried most about beating him a third, you know, for his third definitive loss. Yeah, that's probably his his biggest threat in this uh, next coming up week. I mean, of course, we mentioned earlier there's always Ishimori, but I've got the feeling he's going to beat Ishimori, and I think Kushida is the guy that he needs to be worried about because um, those are and that would be interesting too because those are all three relatively fresh opponents guys he hasn't fought either at all or recently or in a very long time and they're all viable candidates to be challengers for his title so uh i'm i'm kind of calling it right now look for kushida to be the next guy to beat him nice so uh next one point one thing we didn't mention do you think that there's a continuing story of Mike Bailey having issues with his feet and the leg and not having shoes on and that being a detriment to his tournament? Probably. Yeah. So there have been some guys who have targeted uh, his, uh, his legs and his feet all during his like kicking offense, you know, show had the wrench out and was attacking his toes and his foot with the wrench. And um, who else was attacking the foot? Um, well, he got tapped out with a uh, right, yeah, tapped heel hook out. today. Yeah. Also, uh, TJP was going after his legs as well. So pretty much everybody except maybe Hiromu had a heavy target on the legs. And I do think that will, that will probably play into yeah, the rest of Speedball. That will probably cause him some losses if he's not able to execute some of those kicks the way that he's been doing at the beginning of the tournament. On night nine, which is the last night of A block action, Hiromu has Teton. So just throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, so next up, uh, TJP from the United Empire, one half of Catch 2-2, has a 2-2 two and two record with four points. On night one, like we mentioned, he lost to Teton, 11 minutes and 12 seconds. Night two, he defeated Kushida, 9 minutes and 27 seconds. Night three, he lost to Speedball, 13 minutes and 1 second. And then on today's show, night four, he defeated Doki, eight minutes and 22 seconds. TJP is, in some ways, not unlike uh, Teton in that he's having kind of like a sneakily, quietly great tournament. Um, Match after match, he's going out there and really delivering. But um, I don't know if he's necessarily... I don't hear the rumblings about people praising his tournament maybe the way it's being deserved to be Mm. praised but man he really can deliver i mean that's a guy that you can count on to go out there and just have the goods and i know there are people that don't like him for a variety of reasons a lot of it has to do with social media and his political inclinations and you know stuff like that but when you when you when you take that part away and you just boil it down to what he does in the squared circle, he's fucking great, bro. Yeah, dude, he is just, he's so slick, he's so smooth, like, he's a guy that just gets it, he gets his character, he gets professional wrestling, um, like, just from bell to bell, he's just so, like, you watch him, you watch a guy like him, and you watch some of the younger guys, and yeah, maybe some of the younger guys can do some, like, cooler-looking moves and flips, but he really just understands the psychology of pro wrestling he's always in the right place at the right time 
Um, this is everything is about his game is just so good right now. I don't know if there's <laughs> this might sound weird. He's not. I wouldn't call TJP like let's say the favorite wrestler of this podcast. So I'm not claiming that, right? Mm-hmm. But if you took all of your tastes in pro wrestling, and you took all of my tastes in pro wrestling, and you melded them together, you might wind up with TJP. <laughs> yeah, great grappler, submission guy. He can fly. Does the the Mamba splash? Um, he might be like the perfect blend and mix of our like proclivities when it comes to like what we look for in a pro wrestler, because like you just, there's a lot of things that would seem like maybe we wouldn't like him, but like, yeah, we do. Yeah. And (laughs) a lot, especially since he's come back to new Japan the last couple of years, like he's just been on fire since joining that empire, even like Mm -hmm. some of the stuff he was doing on strong with like mascot errata and some of the fuse that he was having there. And then especially with catch two, two, Man, like he's he's been on That's fire. That's the crazy thing. I was never really a big TJP fan, and I've followed his career for a long time. I had lots of indie tapes, seen him back in the day, you know, in like the All Japan or not All Japan, but like the what were they called? Like the King of the Indies tournaments and stuff. And he was like Puma Kid and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Impact. He he wrestled under a couple different gimmicks. Yeah, I, I never really liked him that much in Impact, and. I couldn't really stand him in the Cruiserweight Classic. I've never been a TJP guy. It's taken him to come back to New Japan after all these years. And, I mean, there were definitely some high points of his work in Impact most recently. Like when he, you know, not not his early iterations, like the suicide stuff, but like in the past, you know, like a couple years ago when he like uh, – got back into impact there was definitely some stuff that was catching my eye but like this work right here this body of work in the past like two to three years in new japan it's the best i've ever seen him and i know he's a young guy but he's been wrestling for fucking ever like since he was a teenager (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's like to me he's an old guy who who just has a young age you know right and he's he's been been forever yeah he's been all over too you know he's wrestled in mexico he's been in japan he's done stuff in the uk also he's done stuff in the u.s he's been in all the major promotions he's been WWE. he's been in impact you know he did stuff in roh like he's been everywhere and has a wealth of experience you know part of the original la dojo uh this guy has done it all and yeah he's he's still uh relatively young um, and he's definitely a, a great pickup for New Japan and has been a great part of the junior roster, a great part of the United Empire. And he's been a lot of fun to watch in this tournament. I mean, this guy, I'm looking at my star ratings. I mean, this guy's just having some really solid matches, a lot of three and a half, uh, 3.75. I, I really love the speedball match. I want four stars on speedball match. Um, he's just been really, really good in this tournament. I liked the match today with Doki. He tried to jump Doki early and went for the black. Or I was called the Black Mamba. Is this a Mamba splash? Yeah, or is the, Black the, Mamba, splash? the Mamba splash. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, he went for the Mamba splash early, and I thought I thought he beat Doki in like a few seconds. So did like I. I was, I was like, no. <laughs> but then, uh, but then, you know, eight minutes later, he gets the same result. He hits the Mamba splash, and he wins one, two, three. Very, very good match. Um, TJP is just one of those guys right now where I don't think he's going to be in play down the stretch or in the finals but he can be he can believe he can really go and he can believably beat anybody in the tournament and when we did the preview i mentioned he's not unlike 
Kanemaru in a way. And I don't mean that in a begrudged way. Like Kanemaru is always really entertaining and can like school people and give them lessons and kind of shines in this tournament. That's sort of what TJP is doing here. Yeah, his whole goal of the Doki match, he wanted to win with the Mamba Splash. That was his goal. He didn't want to win with the Pinoy Stretch or any other way. Like he's like, I want to beat Doki with the Mamba Splash. And so that was his whole goal from the beginning. So one thing I would criticize, he did do uh, commentary one night. I thought he did a good job, but it, there just wasn't enough character there. Yeah, he kind of just called it like as if a Gil, the normal TJ Perkins, whatever his real name, Theodore's, you know, was just calling the show. Very straight. And um, for, you know, at, at the same time, I guess, you know, United Empire isn't quite the, the dominant heel force that they first were intended to be. They're sort of tweeners with like heel leaning tendencies, but he's one of the heelish guys in the entire group. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they kind of <laughs> joked about him. Yeah, kind of being brooding and wearing all black. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, but he was, but he played commentary very straight. And I, I thought that we'd see a little bit of that, you know, like for instance, when you, when El Phantasm was on commentary, he's in character. Yeah. You know? And Chase Owens, and Chase Owens and stuff. And yeah, TJP was not, I mean, maybe he was in character. I don't know, but his character just seemed like him <laughs> just regular. <laughs> I, I did think he did a good job though. On, he did uh, a great job on commentary. I'm not, I'm not criticizing the job he did. But he sounded like TJP, retired pro wrestler who no longer has a character and is just <laughs> talking as a regular human. Yeah. As opposed to TJP, brooding heel character from United Empire who's currently in the tournament, you know? Right. <laughs> and and you know what? For for I guess I can also go ahead and say, you know, Robbie did commentary today. Great job. Maybe he was a little he now he maintains kayfabe a little bit more. I would say than TJP did, but again, very much regular Robbie Eagles. It didn't the same guy that shows up on We Work Stiff and every other podcast, except for keeping a strong style. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But the same guy that you hear in those types of interviews was pretty much the same guy that was on commentary today. And I kind of am waiting to see with some of these individuals when they're on commentary, like heal it up a little bit. Put, throw your character in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's why I love when Chase is on commentary because yeah, he, he's full Chase Owens. You know, snark remarks, these you know, funny comebacks, funny comments. Um, so yeah, so let's uh, move on to the next guy, our boy Doki of just five guys. He's currently one and three with two points. Night one, he had the big upset win over Kushida, 8 minutes, 32 seconds. Night two, he lost to Romu, 12.51. Night 30, he lost to Taiji Shimori at 9.31. And then, uh, we mentioned night four, he lost to TJP in 8 minutes and 22 seconds. I don't know that Doki is going to accomplish the goal of besting his best tournament performances from the past. Yeah, he does have a, a tough road ahead of him. I mean, he still has to face Leo Rush. He has to face Speedball. Um, so he, he does have some barriers uh, in front of him. But I do feel like just five guys in general has been getting a push. And, mm-hmm. and so I think that in this next week, he's going to get more wins than he does losses. And I don't think he'll end up being six and three, but I can definitely see him being 
four and five or five and four. He'll probably end up there, but like in order to beat his best year, he needs to be four and five, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I can't recall. Yeah, I, think, um, I think it's four and five, and I was Chris said, yeah, he'll be four and five, and I was like, let's get him to five and four since he's part of just five guys. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's Doki is what can we say? It's us repeating things that we've said many times on this show with how much he's improved and how uh you know how much he's grown as a competitor and grown in this style because even though he still has so much of that luchador flavor to him um i think one of the big barriers of entry when he first got in this tournament was like he was a late replacement and was sort of expected to be like a lucha rezu you know practitioner when he was like pure lucha libre it's not easy to make that jump working New Japan's house style. But as the years have gone on, he's improved his physique, he's improved his work, and he's really become like this beloved underdog that like even today, uh, there were like so many doki screams from like young women. I mean, it sounded like Kenny Omega was out there. And they're like, Doki, of, Doki. Yeah, instead of instead of Kenny, it's Doki. <laughs> like, that's crazy, bro. Yeah. And he's one of the few guys that was I mean, let's face it, I can't think of anyone else in this tournament that's getting those kinds of reactions. So I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the the mystery of what's behind the mask, but the ladies love Doki. I think it's uh, ever since he entered the uh, concourse, the bodybuilding competition, <laughs> people saw how jacked that man was and was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's going to be a tough road for him to uh, truly better his previous best tournament, you know, and, and get more wins than he's received in the past. Uh, I just I don't I don't know if that's going to happen. Obviously, him beating Kushida on the first night was a huge deal because that's the first time he's ever defeated a former tournament winner in this tournament. Um, and that was a that was a great sign. But you know, on the first night, all bets are off. They love to do big upsets and unexpected finishes. But down the stretch, I mean, he's already taken some major losses, and I, I'm I'm pretty fearful that his tournament's already done. Yeah, I mean, I, I popped huge uh, when he beat Kushida. Yeah, I thought that was going to be kind of a good start for him. Uh, but, yeah, kind of tough run since there. And, yeah, with who he has left, I don't think he's going to make it into A1 or A2. But he's still going to have a good tournament. And, you know, he's had a lot of shorter matches in that, you know, 8 to 12-minute range. But, again, similar to Teton and TJP, I feel like he's definitely – been maximizing his minutes uh the Hiromu match i would say is probably my favorite out of these four i think i went four stars uh flat on that it was a semi-main event of night two um you know we've seen what they can do with longer time in, in main event positions but as a semi-main event that got almost 13 minutes i thought they had um a great back and forth matchup and i've been loving that he's been doing this new thing now where he's like including like a, a big lariat as kind of one of his comebacks like you don't really expect it from him He's been drilling people with this lariat as like one of his kind of hope comeback spots, and it's been great. I expect it because he's grimy like that. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, Kushida, who's also one in three with two points. He, like I said, he lost to Doki on night one, eight thirty-two. Lost to 
TJP on night two and nine twenty seven. He lost to Teton on night three and six oh one, and then on night four he defeated Speedball Mike Bailey nine minutes and twenty six seconds. And yeah, I just looked it up. Doki's finished his last two tournaments with th- uh, six points, so he's gotten three wins both times. So he basically needs four wins to get up to eight points. And I, I don't know if that's going to happen this year. Um, speaking of Kushida, Kushida is a guy who I think we're firmly in the middle of a comeback story. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be a player in the top two, but don't count him out yet. I know he's one in three and, but look at the guys that have beaten him. It's been Doki and, TJP and Teton, and those are kind of like the losses that you sort of get out of the way so that he can turn around. And this is sort of what we talked about when we what we were fearing they were doing with Hiromu early on was give him the, the losses early on so he can turn around and have this resurgent comeback. As counterintuitive as it might sound, having him lose the first three matches is probably a really strong indicator that Kushida very likely ends up in one of the top two spots. And also, I think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, he really poises a great shot at being someone that could believably beat Hiromu. And with Hiromu probably having realistically one more loss left in his tournament, I would predict preemptively, expect Kushida to be that guy, expect him to be 1B most likely. Yeah, and that kind of plays into what we got here from the Dark Soldier saying Kushida has lost his first three matches. How much you want to bet that he wins the next six? It would be very Gato. And... like. It is very Gato. Yeah, very Gato. It's a typical dual block booking. And like you mentioned, three guys that he lost to, like he probably, if he would have won, won his first six, he would have lost to these three guys as his last three. Um, so he is in a very good position right now to kind of streak at the right time of the tournament. And everybody he has left are guys he can beat. And on today's show, he kind of made a shift. So he's, today he went to wearing... Um, kind of the short, shorter tights instead of like the short, like the hoverboard shorts, like the time splitter shorts that he typically wears. And so, chained up the gear. He had a lot more focus on his submission game in this matchup. He really tied up Mike Bailey, caught him in his guard, was going after the leg, going after the arm, and was finally able to submit him. So, it looks like we'll probably get the shift into that, you know, other gear that he's that he's wearing now and a more kind of serious Kushida, and I think he's going to be tapping a lot of people out on the way to the end of this tournament. So I, I don't know if you're too familiar with uh, Kazushi Sakuraba, Jeremy. I know we've seen a few of his matches here in New Japan, but in his heyday, he was easily the most prolific and most talented Japanese MMA practitioner that there's ever been. And Kushida was one of his like disciples. So that gear that that new gear that he's wearing, we've seen it recently. He wore that at the uh, the Impact versus New Japan show at WrestleMania weekend when yeah. he wrestled Leo Rush. That that's like a homage to Kazushi Sakuraba. 
And it was kind of funny because like Kevin didn't know that on commentary, but like Robbie did and Robbie brought it up. And then like Kevin was just like, yeah. <laughs> and then he just moved on. <laughs> they didn't elaborate in any way whatsoever. So I don't know if, um, I don't know the significant, obviously I know the significance of what it, that it's, you know, something that he's sort of paying tribute, but I don't know if it's like, what you're alluding to that this is going to be a new gear and he's shifting into that and he's going to wear this all throughout. Or I don't know if this is like a big match thing where he only wears them in matches that he thinks are like worthy of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or it, maybe it's just weird. Like when maybe he just has limited gear, like when Hiromu sometimes wears the shorts and you're like, why are you wearing shorts right now? And it's like, I can, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I definitely do agree that him beating Mike Bailey um, on the surface, it might just look like, oh, yeah, I mean, he beat Mike. That's a good win, but he's still one and three. It's like, no, nah, that was a massive, massive win because Mike Bailey is one of the few guys that has a win over Hiromu. And in the A block, everything does center pretty much around Hiromu Takahashi. Mm -hmm. So anybody who beats somebody who you know how they say to beat the man, you got to beat the man. Well, in this tournament, sometimes you got to beat the man that beat the man that beat the man. <laughs> and so, because that means that you win the tiebreakers. So him beating Mike Bailey is a huge key to like, if it comes down to the two of them, he might get that, that extra push. Yeah. Also another note about the people who have beaten him, all three of the people who beat him all have junior tag partners. So we could be seeing, Doki and Kanamaru versus Jet Setters. We could see a rematch of Catch 2-2 and Jet Setters. And we could be seeing Teton and Bushi versus Jet Setters. And the way it's set up in this tournament, those are well-established teams. That's a great point to kind of point out. But, you know, it's also one of those things where they, they've done such a good job with the junior division lately. They could pretty much throw... Most units have two juniors anyways, regardless, but... Yeah, that's something I didn't pick up on, and you're absolutely right. Um, but I, yeah, I think by the time we talk next week, Kushida's going to be firmly in play to be a guy like to be one of, at the top of this block, not at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to Show, who's also one in three with two points. Night one, he lost to Leah Rush in four minutes and twenty seconds. Night two, losing to Speedball Mike Bailey, twelve minutes and ten seconds. Night three, he was able to defeat Riskate Gucci, six minutes and 29 seconds. And then night four, he lost to Hiromu Takahashi, seven minutes and 38 seconds. And uh, we had a question here from MJSPR. Is show now the hoe? <laughs> I don't know what's going on with show. Like, there's been so many weird idiosyncrasies. Like, I don't get it. Uh, there was, like, one night where he came out to wrestle Taguchi, and he was teasing that he was going to rejoin Hontai and he had had a line mark logo shirt on and yeah he's like I'm going to wrestle this match straight he's like oh, you're going to wrestle straight I'm going to wrestle straight and so yeah he yeah. Pulled, pulled a line mark out and you know he was doing a little bit of you know old show cosplay doing some of the submission grappling and the power lariats and then I'll see we got a uh, house of torture shenanigans yeah they brought in evil they did a ref bump evil pretended like he was going to be the the special guest ref Taguchi went along with it because he's a dope and yeah. then they low blowed him. I don't know. And then he's had, uh, you know, the, the nights prior 
evil's been jumping you know his opponents on their way out to the ring from you know from the darkness so it's been really weird uh i almost wonder like is show injured um or do does creative just not have anything good for him is he you know just a uh a victim of the house of torture shit (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know what to think here yeah i think he is a victim of, of being in house of torture you know that was a group that they were really experimenting with and pushing during the pandemic but you know now that you know crowds are back foreigners can come in top talent can come in uh how the torture has kind of been moved down the card. They're more of kind of a mid card act, never six man act. They're not really taken seriously. And so I do think he, he's a victim of that where in this tournament, there's a lot of great guys, especially in his block that you want to push and get over. And at the time it's just not chill's time right now. Taking back to back losses on the first night to Leo Rush and Mike Bailey, two guys that turn around and also be Hiromu is really damning for his tournament. I'm not saying, and then, and then he also lost to Hiromu. Those three losses are maybe the most crushing losses you could take in this tournament. Even if he turns around and beats the rest of his opponents, he might already mathematically be eliminated just based on, I mean, Obviously, not purely mathematically, but based on the fact that we know that those guys are going to continue to do well throughout the tournament, it would take a miracle for a show to even be in consideration down the stretch. Um, this year, he sort of seemed to play more of the comedy relief that Taguchi is typically, you know, traditionally slated to play. And in years past, when shows in these tournaments, especially ever since the House of Torture defection, it's not like he's been a, a technical stalwart. There's always been cheating and things like that, but there's been a narrative that you could follow, and he's always done well in the tournament and been in play. And this year, they've had him doing much, much heavier shenanigans. He's taken major, major losses, and I don't know if I don't know what this is leading to. Could it be something where, like, maybe it's Sonata-esque? Maybe his story isn't even wrapped up in this tournament, but this could be a launching point to something else that's down the road for him, and we're not seeing the bigger, greater picture just yet? That's possible. Um, There's also the possibility that maybe he uses this tournament as a catapult to go after, like, the junior tag titles or something like that, and there's some other goal in mind. So I don't want to completely write him off. I have to imagine they have something planned, but as it stands right now, May 16th, 2023, 10, 19 PM Eastern, it does not look good for this guy. <laughs> and I don't know what to think. Yeah. And we have a question here from, okay. Okay. 890. Do you think showing evils teasing a fighting clean? will ever lead anywhere. And as of right now, I, I don't, Think so, but like you said, I mean, there's gotta be some kind of plan. But to me, on night one, when he lost to Leo Rush in four minutes and 20 seconds, that was a statement to me like, this guy is gonna be the, a, a geek of this block, do not take him seriously. And we got that for the remainder of the tournament, you know, trying to use a wrench on Mike Bailey 
and all that backfiring, um, you know, trying to do the whole tie up Hiromu and write the note thing that all backfired. And so, like you mentioned, he's kind of been the comedic relief. He's kind of, you know, Wally Coyote. He's, he's doing all these big elaborate plans to catch the, the roadrunner. And he always gets screwed over in the end. He, and he's eating these losses. He's going to beat most of these guys the rest of the tournament, Jeremy. Like, don't get it twisted. I think I see him firmly cheating to beat, like, TJP and Teton and Doki and all those guys. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to beat the guys that don't matter. And Yeah, he's going to beat the guys that don't matter. And he still still might even end up with a losing record. Like he could end up being four and five. Heck, he can end up being three and six. All right, I wouldn't go that far, but we'll we'll have to. They haven't given me enough reason to totally believe that they're throwing him away in that way. Because I feel like what they've already done is damaging enough to where it's like you can see the writing on the wall. Like, but maybe you're right. We'll have to wait and see. It's going to be very interesting. Um. We have our last guy here, Rizuki Taguchi, 0-4, 0 points. The last time Taguchi lost four times straight in a best of the Super Juniors tournament was like his first tournament in like when he was a like a, a like a lion or like when he was first returning from excursion like years and years ago. Yeah. So yeah, on uh, night one, he lost to Ishibori, 3 minutes 54 seconds. Night two, losing to Leo Rush. 519, night three losing the show, 629, then night four uh, losing to Teton and 921. And Taguchi, his, his whole thing for the press conference, he wanted to wrestle the tournament straight, wrestle serious, you know, no shenanigans, no pulling the pants down, no butt stuff. And he's been living up to that wrestling straight, trying to be big match Taguchi. And we have several questions about this. Uh, MJSPR says, Taguchi wrestling with effort and not being Junior Yano has been a nice change. How do you feel about Tsuyu Taguchi's run thus far and anything behind it? Pun intended. Dark Soldier says, how freaky spooky is it watching Serious Taguchi? Even his hairstyle harkens back to his feud against Devitt and Omega, where Taguchi was a top Bayface Junior. If Taguchi can be serious, is there hope for work rate show to come back? And OKOK890 okay, okay, says, Taguchi actually making good on his promise to fight seriously. Do you think this could be his last BOSJ? Before I answer that question, Jeremy, I, I know I shouldn't do this, but I, I popped in real quick to take a look at my Instagram, and the first thing that popped up was the New Japan Shop Global advertisement for the 50th anniversary heavyweight championship replica of the fourth version of the IWGP title. Only $2,800 US, and they're taking <laughs> pre-orders May 10th to May 25th. And, bro, I got to tell you, like, I've never owned a replica belt, but, like, this shit looks amazing. <laughs> that, that is pretty sick. <laughs> what? But let me ask you, what do you do with this belt once you own it? Yeah, you know, you, you bring it to shows, show it off. I feel like if you bring it to a show, you got to fight somebody. Yeah, for you got to defend it in the parking lot. I don't think I can handle spending twenty eight hundred dollars and then getting my ass beat, <laughs> and then them taking it away from me. <laughs> oh, anyways, um, as far as Taguchi is concerned, um, we've heard this same shtick and spiel not just from him but other comedy wrestlers in the past, and I've never put any stock or credence 
in the idea that they were going to change their their ways. And by and large, we've gotten big match to Gucci every single night of the entire tour. I I was way off base last week where I said that we didn't need to see Taguchi anymore, that we didn't need to, there was no place for him in this tournament, and that we weren't even going to get big match to Gucci a single time. Egg on my face. This guy has gone out there. He's got new gear. I mean, it's modeled after the gear he's always had, but it doesn't have holes in it. There's not decals being peeled off and and, and fading. It's new gear. Mm-hmm. This man's been hitting the gym. I could see his abs a little bit. He's not fat. This is a this is a good looking man. He got his hair done. He got a tan. He's got new gear, new merch. This man is looking like money. Unfortunately, he just hasn't been able to pick up a single win. And I don't know if the narrative there is there was something to his offbeat comedy style because he could win matches that way and trying to wrestle straight has been to his detriment. Or if it's just he's going into that phase, he's like Liger, you know, Mm. a master of yesteryear, an elder statesman. He puts over the young talent and he goes out there and goes out on his shield every night. But either way, I am so invested into Gucci matches. I'm digging them every single night. I love even the show match, like I'm loving what he's bringing to the table, and um, yeah, give me more of this to Gucci. Yeah, and even you know two weeks ago when I was doing the solo show, I was kind of, kind of similar sentiments of like, yeah, I don't I don't want to see the Gucci. It's kind of a waste of a spot, but yeah, he's been doing really good in this tournament, having um some some good matches here, and yeah, no wrestling seriously, no uh, bummayes, no pulling the pants down, none of, none of that stuff, and. Well, he has been doing bum IAs, but he's not doing them the way with all the comedy and everything. Yeah, I think actually, I think today's show was the first one, first match he did a bum IA. Everything else he's been just trying to throw drop kicks and go for the dodon. Well, even like in the Teton match, there's a little comedy. They were doing the pass through spot where he just kept hitting the ropes, hitting the ropes, hitting the ropes. And But I can deal with a little bit of comedy. If you're going to give us the goods and that's what they're doing, they're giving us the goods and mm-hmm. they're not. It's not ass stuff, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my problem. As long as it's not ass stuff, I'm good. Yeah, keep, so. just, keep, just keep your pants up and <laughs> we'll be good. Yeah. All right, let's uh, move on to the... The, the big question, though, is, is he going to win one? I, I think and- I think he'll get at least one, if not uh, at least three. I, I can see him ended up being at least three and six. Well, one thing that we need to pay attention to in cases like this, it's not uncommon for someone that's on a losing streak to go into the final night and maybe try and get that elusive final win. On the final night, he's got Kushida. So, yeah, he could be the uh, spoiler there to keep Kushida out of going into the uh, semifinals. It's a possibility. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, take a look at the B block now. Um, so we'll start off on top here. We have three guys that are uh, three wins and one loss with six points. So first, the Noah Fireball of the United Empire, Francesco Akira, three wins, one loss, six points. Night one, losing to Master Wato in seven minutes and 20 seconds. Night two, he defeated Kevin Knight, eight 
40. Night 3, he defeated Robbie Eagles in 12.02. And then on night 4, he defeated his stablemate, Dan Maloney, 8 minutes and 27 seconds. And this is a, a talking point that I think is a little bit lost. The B block, two things. Number one, very parody-based. This is something that SAMHSA said would happen during the preview, and he's absolutely been correct here. The other thing is there have been very few B-block really big main event matches on this tour. They've kind of been more undercard co-main events sort of slots. Mm-hmm. And even though the work has been good and the, the wrestling's great, um, not too many blow-away matches coming out of the B-block just yet. The one that does stand out to me, though, is the Francesco Akira Robbie Eagles match, which to me has been the standout match of that block so far. Yeah, I'm looking at my ratings right now. I think, yeah, that is the, the highest rated match that I have, I think, from the B block uh, with four stars. Yeah, that was a uh, really fun matchup. Yeah, and, you know, to me, I don't want to take anything away from Ch- Francesco Akira. Um, he's having a great tournament, you know, he lost to Watto and then he beat Kevin Knight Eagles and Dan Maloney, the Eagle, the Kevin Knight and the Dan Maloney matches aren't surprising to me. It's the Robbie Eagles match. That's a major one because you you have to imagine Robbie's going to be a big player points wise in this tournament. And, um, obviously he lost to Watto, so that's not great, but, um, I don't know if I would turn around and say like Akira has really established himself from the pack. He's got one big meaningful loss and then one big meaningful win, but he still has Yo, he still has Desperado and you know that sort and he still has Clark Connors on the docket. So his his tournament to me is still very much like up in the air right now. Yeah, and even though like in the A block, you know, you have some guys that are three and one and you think, oh, they're definitely going like Leo and, and Mike Bailey. Akira's a guy that I can see eating a lot of losses, even though he's three and one right now. Right. And, and not being in contention to to get into a, a B one or B two spot. I mean, I don't think it would be a bad call to maybe invest in the guy and see what you're doing. And that's kind of the nice uh the nice thing that they have going with this playoff system is you can get more people through into the finals. Um, But at the same time, like you said, I think it would be reasonable to expect Akira maybe to not be one of those guys because he still has some pretty tough opponents and the wins that he does have are wins aside from the Eagles match. They're wins that you would have expected him to get. The other thing too I don't feel like he's necessarily definitively winning all these matches. Some of them are kind of like he's He's getting by. Yeah, the the Eagles match is going to kind of be a right place, right time. He's able to, to move out the way the four fifty, and then catch him uh, with the the fireball knees to the back of the head uh, to get the win there. So, right, they're not they're not laying these matches out in a way to where I'm like, oh, he's fucking people up. Like he's in the he's in the middle of a run. Yeah, he's just kind of squeaking by, kind of getting the right reversal at the right time versus kind of being super dominant and just mowing people over. But he's still been very impressive nonetheless. Uh, but I have to wonder, man, like, do, does he ever build up calluses on that chest? Or is this just <laughs> something he's going to have to live with? Like, working this style, getting these chops, and just having 
you know, hamburger meat for a chest. Yeah, that thing gets busted open like every night. It, it must be painful. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Yeah, but Akira, I love the dude, full of charisma. I love him. He's just, you know, cursing and talking trash in Italian the whole time and super fiery. Yeah, he's definitely a, a great guy to have in this tournament. So next up, our good friend, Robbie Eagles, 3-1 with 6 points. Night 1, he defeated Yo, 13 minutes and 6 seconds. Night 2, he defeated Clark Connors, 557. Night 3, like we mentioned, he lost to Francesco Akira. And then on night four, he defeated Bushi nine minutes and 20 seconds. Like I mentioned earlier, I don't know that the B block has been given as much opportunity to shine because there's been less big matches with a lot of time given. That being said, I, I kind of think Robbie Eagles is the top performer of B block right now. And it's not surprising given how talented he is. Um, but it has been a little bit of a mixed bag. You know, he beat Yo, that's a big win. Beat Clark Connors, another big win. Uh, Francesco Akira, that's, I, I don't know that I'd say that's a big loss because I think, like we just discussed, Francesco Akira is a guy I could see maybe going down a little bit. Uh, and then the Bushi is sort of a give me match. What's really going to tell the tale is when he faces like Desperado and. Maybe like Kanemaru, who's mm-hmm. really tricky and can beat anybody on it any given night. But Robbie's, uh, to me, got a little bit more of a solid foundation, given that he's beaten Yo and Clark Connors already. Yeah, I think those are definitely important wins. Clark is definitely a guy that's getting pushed right now with the whole uh, Bullet Club turn and being 100 proof now. And then Yo's a guy that we've seen go to the finals before he seems to get pushes a lot during this tournament. So yeah, kind of beating two guys that are kind of in the middle of a push. is definitely a good sign for Robbie. And yeah, like you mentioned, he's been the, the top performer of the B block. I, I had the, the O match at four stars and then the, the Kira match at four stars. So yeah, he's been the, the standout guys thus far. And again, he's only had uh, very little time. I mean, Again, in that kind of nine to you know thirteen minute range, uh, most of his matches. Um, so I'm not sure if he's going to get any side mains or main events. But if he does, with more time, he'll definitely, you know, he's he's going to have that ELP moment again if he can get some more time. I I don't think Robbie Eagles is going to win this tournament, mainly for the the reason that he recently was the most recent challenge to Hiromu for the IWGB title and. That's probably not going to work because if he wins the tournament, he's going to be he's going to get an immediate title shot. He just lost the title shot. So putting that aside, though, I definitely think that he's in play to be one of the top two finalists for B Block. And I know that it's kind of I don't know I don't know if it's cheap, but I always kind of anticipate in tournaments like this that they might go like one Gaijin, one domestic star, mm-hmm. and I think. Looking at the board, if I have Desperado being like the domestic guy that's most likely going through, I sort of think Eagles will be the guy that goes through from this block. So um, that's sort of what I'm anticipating moving forward. Yeah, that that seems to to make a a ton of sense. And, you know, we talked about it last week during the preview. Like The B block does have a lot of youth and a lot of inexperience, but Robbie and Desperado, those are like the two 
established guys, two former junior heavyweight champions. Um, so I think, you know, they're going to have the kind of the experience edge on a lot of the other guys. And it makes sense to send those guys into the, to the B1, B2 slots. Like you still have Clark Connors and Watto and Yo, and I think that they're very much in play, but they're two and two. They're playing catch up and he's a little ahead of them. So they're going to need to win some pretty big matches. He's going to have to lose some pretty big matches for everything to shake out in their favor. Yeah. So next up, El Desperado, three and one, six points on night one. He lost to his former partner, Yoshinobu Kanamaru, 14 minutes and one second. Uh, then he went on a streak. Uh, night two, he defeated Bushi, 854. Then night three, defeats Master Watto, 1410. And then on night four, he defeated the Jet, Kevin Knight, 842. It's been a mixed bag with Desperado. I really loved the first match on the first night with uh, Kenamaru. And seeing Kenamaru, uh, you know, beat him with the figure four leg lock. And it kind of goes to the, the story that they have that, like, that senpai kosai you know, relationship and him always kind of getting bested by Kanemaru. So I liked that continuity that was there. And to me, that's probably been the standout match that he's had in this tournament so far. Um, Desperado has been a lot less relied upon this year than he has the past three tournaments. Like he's not having as many main events. He's not being um, called upon to have too many extra long matches. I mean, the match with Watto and Desperado were both sub 15 minutes. They were in the 14 minute range, which is pretty, pretty long for this iteration of the tournament. But you know, there, he's not having to do all the heavy lifting in this tournament. Like he did like last year, he was in so many main events. Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, maybe this is a little bit of a easier workload him than it has been in years past uh definitely a lot less ring time and then you you take a look at the wins and like bushi and kevin knight are both expected so you, you kind of get those out of the way the desperado win that's a big upset the, the the only definitive win that he has so far is the wato win which you know is also expected but wato is a guy that a lot of people had high hopes for coming into this tournament and i'm not counting him out just yet but that is a big loss uh, for Watto to Desperado. And it still remains to be seen what's going to happen when Despi, you know, pairs up with like Robbie Eagles and Yo and uh, like Clark Connors. Yeah, he definitely still has a, a tough path this coming up week with some of the top guys uh, during the block. Um, but, you know, it's Desperado. He is a, a cult favorite. I, I think he's going to, I think we'll see probably the beginning of the week kind of going on a little bit of a slump and then kind of finishing up six and three in uh, getting into one of the B one or B two slots. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see him take another loss before next week. And some people calling his, his uh, tournament into question and doubt, you know? Yeah. Then uh, next up, yo, he's two and two at four points. So night one, he lost to Robbie Eagles, 13 Oh six. Night two, he defeated Master Watto, 18-12 in the, the main event. Night three, he lost to Dan Maloney, 9-01. And then night four, he defeated Clark Connors in 6-44. I have not personally been that impressed with Yo's output in this tournament. And 
it really causes me to question, you know, I've always been like, I've always had the famous saying, yo is a hoe. And then recently this year, I was like, I got to backtrack on that. Got to roll back on that. This guy's just had too many great performances lately. And then here we are, best of the super juniors. And A, I don't know what the fuck is going on with this man's gear. Dude, uh, it's like a, a mix of trying trying to be Darby Allen and John Cena. Yeah, it's not it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> and then the matches themselves, he's back to being wacky roll up guy. Like I don't get it. Also, Clark Connors has this new finisher. It's called uh, No Chaser, right? Yeah, yeah, No Chaser. Yeah, didn't isn't that just the fucking direct drive? Just um, with like an arm wrapped underneath. Didn't he just jack this dude's shit? The uh, Yo's is more of like a double underhook, and his is a straight up front head. A lot lock. of guys having similar finishes these days. <laughs> you know, well, you know, it's it's twenty twenty three. All the moves have been created. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have not really been impressed with Yo either. Um, Yeah, he's been kind of really aloof and just kind of goofy. In one match, he was kind of cosplaying Kojima and doing the Kojima chop, and he tried to do the Ichazo Bakayaro spot. Uh, Another match, he was trying to, in the Connors match, he was trying to be like Yano. He pulled the turnbuckle pad off and was doing those kind of antics. So it's it's been kind of a really weird tournament for him. And the, the funny thing, like on commentary, you know, they're, they're putting over, Kevin's like, you know, I thought this guy was, you know, a guy that didn't seem interested in wrestling, he had other interests, but he really kind of picked it up, but I feel like in this tournament, it's kind of been back to what we were complaining about, where it doesn't seem like he has the effort, or he's not connected, or not interested, and I'm starting to come to, con- to the conclusion, you know, maybe Yo is just a tag team wrestler, when he is with Cho, he was great. When he's in there with Leo Rush, he's great. But then you put him in there by himself, you, you give him some opportunities, and it's hit or miss. Or you're getting, like you mentioned, the wacky roll up, you're getting him doing weird cosplay, and it's just not been great. Yeah, I've been kind of confused why he's throwing all these homage spots to his current teammates. So he's like, you know, paying tribute to the guys in Chaos slash Hantai, but it's like he's like paying tribute to like Tenzan and Yano and uh, Kojima and stuff. And I'm like, is this gonna win you the big one, bro? Like, what are we doing? I don't, I don't get it. That's the thing. I'm just, I'm scratching my head and I'm kind of confused. Yeah, and I'm not, in, and I'm not engaged. Yeah, and he's supposed to be one of the top guys in this block. You know, he's a, a former finalist. Uh, you know. Former junior tag team champion multiple times, you know, super junior tag league winner. Like he's a guy with a ton of experience, a guy that gets pushed that you would think would be like putting forth a little bit more effort and there'd be a little bit more like planning and detail into his matches. But, you know, his longest match was the the Master Wato main event on, on night two, and that wasn't great. And then everything else has kind of been shorter and him just kind of goofing off. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we had an interesting what? question though from Heavenly Halbert saying, "What do you think made the charisma switch finally flip for you?" Um, I mean, I don't know that it has. 
<laughs> uh, maybe I, I feel differently than other people do, but I, I think that, um, you know, I could say the old adage that pairing up with uh, Leo Rush reinvigorated him and, and blah, blah, blah. And that's sort of the talking point Kevin Kelly has, but I'm lost when yeah. it comes to Yo during this tournament. And I'm not. I'm going to call it as I see it. Like, I don't, this, this man is not a star right now. Yeah. And I don't feel like he's getting big reactions from the crowd. Like he's, he's getting fine reactions, but from a guy who was just recently in a final, you you'd think there'd be a little, a little bit more of a, a fanfare, a little bit more of a bigger reaction for him, but not hearing that, not seeing that. I'm not, I'm not seeing the charisma. I saw it when he was teaming with Leo. Um, but when he's just on his own, I, he's just, it's, it's not it. <laughs> I agree. So next up, uh, Master Watto. He's also 2-2 two and two with four points. Night one, he defeated Francesco Akira, 7 minutes and 20 seconds. Night two, he lost to Yo in 18-12. Night three, he lost to Desperado, 14-10. Night four, he defeated Yoshinobu Kanemaru, 9 minutes and 38 seconds. Now I will say this. Um, I know we complained a little bit about Yo, but he's sitting at two and two, and he still has some pretty big matches in front of him. And they've shown in the past that they're willing to do comeback stories as it pertains to him. I feel like there's a segment of the fan base that are watching Watto. They had very like strong aspirations for what they thought he he was going to do in this tournament, and they're like, "Damn, like dang, he's taking like two big losses." What's going on? And I'm also here to say Watto's in the same boat as Yo. His tournament's not over. He does have a lot of work to do. But if they want to pull the trigger on the guy, they absolutely can. The one big thing working against him is he's already lost to Yo and he's lost to Desperado. And those are big losses. But... I do think the Francesco Akira and Yoshinabu Kanemaru matches that those are both wins in his favor. They kind of came off as unexpected wins a little bit, and that's not really great. You you don't want your guy that that people are pushing for to be a finalist to be getting unexpected wins against you know middle tier competition in the tournament. But it is what it is. I I think those were strong wins for him, and I I still think there's a path for Wato. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he got a main event here on night two, and he does seem to be positioned higher up on the card, slower up on the card, uh, more towards the main event um, than he has previously. And you know, he was in in the four way at Wrestle Kingdom, and part of that, you know, title match and build. And so, I do think they're trying to you know recoup some of that momentum that he had towards the beginning of the year um, here in his tournament with his placement on the cards and. I do think he's a guy, especially like I mentioned, with this block being so young and, um, you know, guys with very similar experience levels. I feel like he's a guy that he has a lot of winnable matches coming up that he could finish towards the top of this block. Nice. Uh, and we had a question here from uh, Ginger Ninja 666. While they haven't been blowaway classics, I have been enjoying Watto's matches so far quite a bit. Do you like how they've been booking Watto-san's Everest German as this move that every opponent is desperate to avoid? I think it's been a great addition. 
great addition to his matches. Oh, yeah. I think that that's been um, one of the best things that they've kind of incorporated into his story this year is giving him a big, powerful, you know, um, what's what what kind of finisher would you call it? Like an impact finisher? Yeah, impact finisher, yeah. And it's something he's kind of needed. And, uh, you know, as time's gone on, they've kind of given him a few more tools here and there. And he's feeling more and more like a complete wrestler. I like Watto's work so far. I, I, I think that there is a charisma issue at hand right now. And I'm not seeing the same guy that I saw at this year's Wrestle Kingdom in the Tokyo Dome. But uh, it's not for lack of trying. They're, they're doing everything they can. And I like the Everstroman. Yeah, I think he's doing good for the most part. And again, he's he's another guy that's not getting a ton of time. He did get that long main event with Yo, but I felt like Yo kind of, you know, carried him down in that match and didn't do any favors for Watto there. And then everything else has kind of been kind of short. Um, so, yeah, but I think the efforts there, I think he's looking good. You know, it's definitely not, you know, 2020 Watto that first came in. And you're like, you know, what is going on here? Um, but he's not quite at Wrestle Kingdom this past year, Watto, either. But he's still looking good. Uh, so next up, Yoshinobu Kanemaru from just five guys. He's also 2-2, two two, four points, night one, defeating his former partner, El Desperado, 14-01. Then on night two, he defeated Dan Maloney, 5-42. Night three, he lost to Kevin Knight. 719 and then on night four like we mentioned he lost to master wato 938 and you know what i misspoke earlier i said the most recent title challenger for hiromu's title was robbie eagles that's not correct it's actually it was uh kanemaru on the last tour easily right now kanemaru is the most interesting individual in b block and his story arc is the one that I'm most invested into. That's not to say that I think that he has a real serious shot at being a finalist. However, you never know. But he has taken some big losses already. Um, but he's had he's got that big win over Desperado. Mm-hmm. That's that's a big one. So you just never know. But I love what he's doing, focusing on the limb work. He's sort of like the anti Ishimori, you know. His matches are all kind of, in a certain sense, similar. Like, you know what he's going after. He's going after people's legs. But he's doing it in such fun, cool, inventive, and creative ways that it's kind of forgivable that that you know he's going after a figure four leg lock. I think Ishimori should study Kanemaru. (laughs) Yeah, which is funny because I know they have a a history rivalry from Noah that kind of spilled it into New Japan. Uh, But, yeah, with, with Kanemaru, I feel like he will kind of study his opponent and figure out, oh, how do I attack the, the leg for Desperado? How do I attack the leg for Master Watto? Like, there are different, he kind of has a different, it's the same game plan, but different strategies of the game plan depending on who he's facing. And so, yeah, there's been a lot of interesting ways to kind of get into the limb work, get into the, the figure four, and, you know, winning the matches with those figure fours, getting that finish over for him and, Again, with him, with the new look, being a part of just five guys and just having a title shot, I do think all of that is good signs for him to potentially pick up more wins than losses in this next week of the tournament. 
I mean, right now, as unbelievable as it sounds, he's the like ace of his group for the juniors. <laughs> yeah, for, he, he is. Yeah, he uh, is. Doki's like his underling and like the the underdog, and you know, Taka's the old man, and Kanemaru's the young, fresh <laughs> <laughs> junior stalwart of the group. Uh. But yeah, I mean, he's had uh, some really good matches. He he's been fun to watch here. So uh, moving on to the next guy, the the Drilla Dan Maloney from the United Empire, making his New Japan debut. He's currently two and two, four points. Night one, he defeated Bushi seven minutes and twelve seconds. Night two, losing to Kanemaru in five forty two. Night three defeats Yo nine oh one, and then on night four he lost to his United Empire stablemate Francesco Akira eight twenty seven. Dan Maloney is really, to a certain extent, probably the most unknown commodity in this tournament. Um, he's a guy that they've really put over on commentary as being a former heavyweight, someone that has slimmed down and retained a lot of his muscle mass and cut weight to make the junior limit. That's all an interesting story so far. They haven't given him a lot of opportunity. He's had four matches, but probably has one of the lowest ring times of anybody in the tournament. Everything, every match he's had has been sub 10 minutes and you know, he's probably looking, I'm just going to ballpark. He's probably looking at a seven minute average match time right now. Mm -hmm. And they haven't put him in there with any of the big stars. Uh, so it's almost sort of like testing the water at this point to kind of see where, where he's at. And unlike some of the other outsiders from the A block, I don't feel right now like Dan Maloney has gotten over to the extent of some of those other guys. Now, they probably have a lot working in their favor. They work flashier styles. They've been in the game a longer time, and they've been on bigger stages than Dan Maloney. You know, who's pretty much basically like a rep pro standout guy from Brit Res. Yeah. I say all that to say this. I think that he should at this point, and I'm not saying he's not doing well, he's doing well, but because he has so much working against him, they don't know him. He's never been on a big stage. He doesn't have an established name. He should be treating this like the tournament of his life and putting in maximizing his minutes. Like you said earlier about Teton, he's someone that should be making the crowd basically be unable to forget who he is. He should be so memorable. And right now he's just kind of a forgettable force. He's a big power guy that's doing a couple cool things here and there, but nothing that really gets him over. And he's not having what I would call a classic matches Someone that I would point to in the past, and I know it's a totally different style, but it's not unlike the situation he's in. Think about like Jonathan Gresham when he was in these tournaments in the mm. past. He always got over. He was always put in that middle spot. He always did excellent and and found a way to really get over. Kind of a similar position to Dan Maloney. I think Maloney needs to be wrestling with a lot more urgency and treating these matches and you know, granted, I understand that maybe the guys on the other block probably don't have to do as much as him to get over, but that's just the way it is. It's a tough sport. They don't know you. 
you need to go out there and bust your ass and really prove a point and make everybody remember your name. Yeah, and I think he's still acclimating to the New Japan style and, you know, working in a New Japan ring. Um, you know, there was one match where he kind of had a slip up going on the outside with the ropes, you know, not, I guess, not used to, you know, the, the ring size and kind of the New Japan ropes. And yeah, I think this is a, a big learning experience for him. Um, but yeah, like the other outsiders, he's not making um, the same impact that they are. And, uh, I think it does help him that he's a part of the United Empire, so he's he's kind of relying on you know the, the crowns up taunt and the fans. You know the, the fans love United Empire, so they they've kind of been in him because of, because of that, and fans will throw up the crowns for him. Um, but outside of that, yeah, we, we still haven't seen you know a ton of what his personality and character is. Um, I know they're kind of pushing him, like you mentioned, this kind of power junior, this guy that was a heavyweight. But now he cut down. He's a junior, and you know he has he uses a gore because it was passed down to him from Rhino. And his finish is off, awesome. The Drilla Killer, which is pretty much like uh, Brody King's Gonzo Bomb, where he you know picks him up in the power bomb position, and drops him down to a power driver. His finish is awesome. He, just, he does the a lot. finish is fucking awesome. Yeah, I popped huge for the first time I saw it when he did it on Bushi. Um, I kind of feel like he's doing the hand signals too much though. Yeah, he's going to the crowns up a lot. Like after pretty much after every move, it's like clothesline, crowns up. Did you did you ever see that movie Knocked Up with uh, Seth Rogen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when they're out drinking and he's dancing with Katherine Heigl and his friends are like, he's doing he's doing the dice motion too much. And they're like, it's the only move he's not. It doesn't have many other moves. It's like he's doing the crowns up too much. That's all he's got, bro. Like, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like you mentioned, there's been a, a lack of urgency. Like he does, he does a lot of really cool moves. He has a lot of cool power moves, but the in between, like getting to the power moves, it hasn't been quite fluid. And you know, there, there are some other power juniors in this tournament who I, I think are excelling, and he's not quite there yet. You got to figure something out, even if it's not in the matches. Look at uh, the playbook from like uh, Alex Zane last year. He ate a bunch of Japanese food and. and you know, tweeted about it. People loved him for it. You know, yeah. And I know that again. United Empire, they're they're kind of that weird spot of being heel, leaning tweeners. He does seem to be more on on the heel side, but still, like, there's there's got to be something he can do to kind of get his personality and character over more. He's still got Despy on the docket. He's still got Robbie Eagles on the docket. A few other big matches. So, yeah. So next guy, also two and two, is one hundred proof Clark Connors now representing the Bullet Club. So on night one, he defeated his uh, former LA Dojo uh, classmate in Kevin Knight nine minutes and twenty seconds. Night two, he lost to Robbie Eagles in five fifty seven. Night three, he defeated Bushi six oh four, and then on night four, he lost to Yo in six forty four. His matches seem to be uh, a tale of can he hit the, it's called the no chaser, right? Yeah, no chaser. Is he going to hit the no chaser or not? And there's a lot of guidance and coaching from Ghetto on the outside during his matches, which is interesting because I can't recall any time where any junior in the Bullet Club really had Ghetto 
uh, leading them. So that's always been a spot sort of reserved for the major stars of the Bullet Club, like, you know, um, Jay White and most recently, like David Finley and, you know, prior to the Bullet Club, Okada. So kind of interesting there. Maybe that's their attempt to kind of give him a little bit extra something to help get him over as a heel. Um, his work's been fine. It's very much in line with that more recent rugged kind of smash mouth in your face style that they're starting to implement with the Bullet Club. But the story typically comes down to Gato telling him to hit the no chaser and he either does it or he doesn't do it. And that becomes the the downfall of his matches. So, you know, in, in the matches he won, he hit it. In the matches he lost, he didn't hit it. And that's pretty much what I've been noticing. Um, they've been keeping his matches relatively short. The only long one he had was the first night with Kevin Knight. They went nine minutes. Everything else been like around the six minute mark. And, um, you know, he's doing well, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. And all his losses have kind of been wacky rollups. I've been trying to protect him. You know, Robbie Eagle said that, that one like schoolboy flower bridge thing to him mm-hmm. on night two. And then, on today's show, night four, uh, Yo did the that uh, one of his wacky roll ups to to pin him as well. But then post match, he um, attacked Yo, got a chair, um, took a chair to Yo's uh, head, and uh, Gato's like, he's the real winner. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they try to get his heat back after losing, and anytime he loses, it's been kind of this wacky roll up, and he's. Blaming the fans like it's like your fault. It was your fault. It was your fault. And so they're trying to, you know, they're you they're, people. <laughs> yeah, you people. Yeah, they're trying to they're they're pushing him and trying to protect him at the same time with, with these losses. So I think as far as the push wise, he's he's in a good spot because like you mentioned, he's got Gato out there. They're trying to establish this uh no chaser finisher. They're trying to establish the whole new, you know, one hundred proof and um get him over that way. But as far as the bell to bell it's just kind of been there. His matches are more about getting him over as a heel than they have about than they have been about him having good matches. Yeah, it's very much like a storytelling kind of establishing tournament for him. And um, you know, he he lost to Robbie, lost to Yo. Those are big losses in this block uh, because those are two of the more favored guys. They're sitting up there, so he's gonna have to have some big wins here. Um, if hypothetically Clark Connors were to beat Desperado, that would do him a lot of big favors in this tournament and yeah. really get him back in, in, in things, you know, in the swing of things. So um, we did have a question here from Les commission. Yeah. He says Clark Connors is not there at the fans yet as he doesn't seem intimidating when he berates the fans, but his work in the ring as in being an aggressive has been quite stellar. What improvements do you guys think he needs to gain more heat from the fans? They're trying. I mean, he's ber- he's berating and cussing out children. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, he's getting pr- as close as you possibly can to, you know, people and really punking them out. I don't know if the people even know what he's saying. You know what I mean? He's speaking <laughs> in English. Yeah. Um, I-, I think he's doing all right. I think it, I think this is an establishing tournament. I don't think he needs to do anything differently so far from what I've seen, other than, you know, if 
It depends. I mean, what what's the goal here? If the goal is to establish him as a great wrestler who can really go, maybe put him in there with a, give him more time and put him in some main events with, you know, like Desperado and a few other people and, and watch him go. But if your goal is to get him over as a shitbag heel who cheats, maybe have him cheat more, maybe have him do more bullet club slash house of torture shenanigans, the kind of shit that I hate. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe that's what people are asking for. I don't know. Well, it's hard because Finley's whole vision is to, to be savages and killers, and Finley hasn't really been cheating, and neither has Clark. It's all been about us being super aggressive. So it's kind of hard to get heat when you're not really cheating it. You're just you're just being a badass, and so that's not really something that's getting him heat. Well, I mean, the other answer is he could destroy people, but I mean, they. It's hard because. It's a round-robin tournament, and you can't have him just outright completely destroy somebody and write them off the tournament. You know what I mean? Right. Plus, like, I mean, Yo did basically just shy of a stretcher job today for him post-match and took a... I don't think he actually hit him in the head with that chair, but it looked pretty convincing. It was pretty awesome. But uh, stuff like that, but, you know, he probably needs to beat somebody to a pulp, like, He's Brock, like he's Junior Brock Lesnar, is probably what people are wanting him to do. But the tough thing with that is, like, there's egos involved. There's <laughs> who wants to get beat like that in best of the Super Juniors, you know? Right, yeah. So moving on to the Jet Kevin Knight, one half of the IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions. He's one and three right now with two points on night one. He lost to Clark Connors. On in nine twenty night two he lost to Francesco Akira in eight forty night three picked up his first win against Kanamaru seven minutes nineteen seconds and then on night four he lost to Desperado eight minutes and forty two seconds. Yeah, I think Kevin Knight's doing really well. Um, he's getting over with the crowd. He's eating losses like we expected him to. There probably is some sort of narrative surrounding all this because of the fact that he's one half of the IWGP junior heavyweight tag team champions that this will, you know, open them up to future title challenges along down the line. But, you know, he's very recently graduated from the dojo and he's the least experienced of anybody in the tournament. So it's not that surprising the record he has, um, I would probably expect him to pick up a few more wins and maybe end with like three and six. Probably sounds about right. Mm-hmm. But he's endearing himself with the crowd. He's getting over. They they know his big spots. They know his comebacks and stuff. So I think it's really, again, it's sort of like an establishing tournament for him as well. Yeah, I mean, he's been a lot of fun to watch. To me, he kind of has the essence of what best super junior should be you know a lot of high flying a lot of really cool moves uh, a ton of energy you know you, you talk about charisma this guy has charisma you know oozing off of him and yeah getting over quickly learning japanese um he's getting really established uh with the fans and i mean the only knock against him is you know he's still inexperienced and you can kind of see that when he's in there with some more experienced guys like he's Sometimes he's a one step behind some of the guys, and he's almost like a, like a puppy with super big paws, and he's still trying to like learn how to control his body in some spots and just kind of be at the right place at the right time. 
But be overall, he's super fun to watch. The the, the no hand super hurricane Rana is great. Um, mm-hmm. His drop kick is incredible. Um, you said the only knock against him. That's not true. This man walked out <laughs> the first night with the title upside down. I'm pretty sure that had to be a rib on him, right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty funny, though. Yeah. I, I, I thought like- I thought it was a joke on his part. I thought maybe it was something goofy that, that, the, that his team was doing that I just, like the Jet Setters, that I wasn't privy to. And I was like, oh, no, I think he that accidentally on purpose like i don't know yeah, i don't know i feel like it's a rib like somebody's like oh let me, let me put the belt on you and then i strapped him up and he didn't look down at it and then he just walked out there <laughs> oh my god yeah uh but yeah ton of energy ton of fun um you know you know some of the losses he had the title matches lost to akira you know they've kind of had a rivalry with the you know, catch 2-2 and jet setter so we can get a rematch there uh connor's gonna maybe team with ishimori for a bull club Challenge um, against Jet Setters, um, and then he lost to Despy. So I, I don't know. Despy's kind of been floating open weight. And there's not really another junior in strong style, but he could find somebody, and they could uh, challenge Jet Setters. So moving on to the last guy, the very bottom of the B block, zero wins, four losses, Bushi. Zero points. Night one, losing to Dan Maloney, 7-12. Night two, losing to Desperado, 8-54. Night three, losing to Clark Connors, uh, 6-04. And then night four, losing to Robbie Eagles, 9 minutes, 20 seconds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What do you want me to say? I mean, Bushi is gonna Bushi, man. He's gonna Bushi's gonna Bushi, bro. Like that, I'm I'm fine with this booking. It makes sense to me. <laughs> Comes out there with the fly mask, the fly. Bro, in. this man, this man is buying multiple. He's not buying one mask per night. He's buying multiple new customized masks every single night for the entire tour, and he's zero and four. It is. Bewildered. <laughs> this man put so much effort in the entrance and the swag, and then he gets in there and he, he does his thing. Um, so yeah, I mean he's been fine. I mean nothing horrible, but you know just kind of your gentleman's throw you affair with him. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not in any way like interested in watching Bushi wrestle very much. <laughs> yeah, but luckily and- all his matches have been really short, so. Yeah, they've been fine, and he's not been winning. I'm sure that that will turn around to some degree. Maybe, who knows? Maybe he loses everything, and that's the story, and something interesting will come out of it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm fine with it. Keep keep him short. Keep him losing. Let's go. Yeah, and with four losses at this point, I mean, he's pretty much mathematically eliminated. Uh, I don't really see him getting I mean if he would have to win his next five and then hope everybody else gets to five and four and hope for tiebreaker scenarios but it's just it's not working out in his favor right now. Yeah. So a few questions here. Uh Rambo and Slam picks us after the few first few nights, who do you think has most surpassed expectations? Um Honestly, I don't know if anybody has surpassed my expectations really in any way. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, because I mean, like, you know, we talk about speedball Mike Bailey. I mean, he's 
meeting my expectations. He's doing exactly what I thought he was going to do. He's meeting my expectations. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that there's a single person that has done better than I thought they were going to do. Right. And I don't say that people are doing bad, but just that you have certain expectations of people. And I think all all of them are meeting what we expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, next two questions, very similar here. Uh, Paul, a Saint, Saints fan, says, who's your MVP of each block so far? For me, it's Eagles in B block and Mike Bailey in A block. And then Les Commission 7252 says, who is the MVP so far? To me, I would have to say Mike Bailey and Francisco Akira. Both guys shine so far in the tournament as Akira is still fresh. In New Japan, developed his character as an egotistical little brat, but backs it up in the ring. While Bailey has been the key focus with a big win over Hiromu, guaranteeing him a future title shot if he doesn't win the tournament. And in my opinion, the best match of the tournament so far against TJP. Yeah, those are great insights. Uh, you know, just thinking about it a little bit deeper, actually, I think Hiromu is probably the A-block MVP. And I know people people are kind of, in some ways, bored of that. And they don't want that to be the case. But, I mean, only four nights in. But as it stands, just looking at the... And granted, he's been given more opportunity but I, I think Haruma is the A block MVP, and I think Eagles is the B block MVP right now. And there's still a lot of time to, for that to all change. Yeah, I think yeah. If you look at the match quality for both of those guys, they're definitely I think the leaders in their blocks, and they're getting the more opportunity. Especially Hiromu, also he's a, he's a champion, so of course he's going to get the opportunity and be in more main events and get have longer matches. Well, uh, between now and next week, we've got. Several nights of Super Juniors action. May 17th, we have night five. May 18th, we have night six. And then May 19th, we have night seven. And then we get one day break. And we come back on the 21st for night eight. And then um, on that exact same day, we have New Japan Strong Resurgence in Walter Pyramid taking place here in the U.S., um, I don't know. Do you want me to go over all these tournament matches? Um, we could just yeah, just run through the lineups real quick so people know what's coming up, and then we don't have to spend a ton of time doing so, predictions. Very briefly, on night seven or night five, we've got Taguchi versus Hiromu, Bushi versus Kevin Knight, TJP versus Show, Akira versus Clark Connors, Doki versus Leo Rush, Kanemaru versus Eagles, Teton versus Mike Bailey, Dan Maloney versus Wato, Ishimori versus Kushida, and it appears the main event is Desperado versus Yo. Night six, we have Doki and Mike Bailey, Kanemaru versus Bushi, Taguchi versus TJP, Dan Maloney versus Kevin Knight, Ishimori versus Sho, Desperado versus Clark Connors, Teton versus Leo Rush, Yo versus Francesco Akira, Kushida versus Hiromu, and then in the main event, Robbie Eagles versus Master Wato. Night seven, we have Watto versus Clark Connors, Taguchi versus Doki, Eagles versus Kevin Knight, Teton versus Show, Kanemaru versus Akira, Kushida versus Leo Rush, Bushi versus Yo, Ishimori versus Mike Bailey, Desperado versus Dan Maloney, and then TJP versus Hiromu in the main event. Keep in mind that's three nights back to back to back. Then on the 21st, we have night eight with Kanemaru versus Clark Connors, Doki versus Teton, Bushi versus Watto. Taguchi versus Mike Bailey, Eagles versus Maloney, Kushida versus Show, TJP versus Leo Rush, Yo versus Kevin Knight, 
Ishimori versus Hiromu, and then in your main event, Desperado versus Francesco Akira. I am seeing Francesco Akira's name pop up in a lot of these main events, keep in mind. So, And then um, here in the U.S., later that evening, we have New Japan Strong Resurgence from the Walter Pyramid with 10 matches of action. We have a kickoff match between Bateman and the DKC, a second kickoff match between Christopher Daniels and Alex Coughlin, and then on the main show, we have the New Japan Strong Women's Title semifinal round tournament matches. We've got Mercedes Monet versus Stephanie Vaquar, as well as Willow Nightingale versus Momo Kogo. Fifth match of the night, El Barbaro Cabernario and Virus or Virus versus TMDK's Bad Dude Tito and Zack Saber Jr. A street fight between Fred Rosser and Juice Robinson. The strong openweight titles on the line as Hikaleo defense against former champion Kenta. The chaos team of Okada, Rocky Romero, and uh, Ishii take on the Blackpool Combat Club, a uh, team of John Moxley, Wheeler Utah, and Shoto Amino. Semi-main event, we have the IWGP United States heavyweight title number one contender tournament match between Hiroshi Tanahashi and Will Ospreay. And then the main event will be for the first time in U.S. history, the main event is women. <laughs> and it will be the winners of the first two rounds to crown the first ever NJPW Strong Women's Champion. And most likely, I'm assuming that's going to be Mercedes Monet versus Willow Nightingale, but it could be Momo Kogo. Yeah, I would assume just with Willow being AEW that, yes, yeah, he's going to get the win. And yeah, we're going to have, end up with a Mercedes Willow main event. And... I know there's a lot of question and speculation on what is uh, Monet's future with New Japan stardom, Bushi Road, and what her plans are, but uh, I have a hard time seeing her not walk out of this building with the strong women's championship. You know, the idea of having these types of big pay-per-views in between tours, it sounds appealing, but when it's smack dab in the middle of a jam-packed tour like this, I don't know if I'm that gung-ho about it. But I guess make your money where you can make it because there's definitely a segment of the fan base that's much more hyped about resurgence than they are about Best of the Super Juniors as it's ongoing, so it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking at the the other day, I had a friend of mine reach out to me. He's like, take a look at the card. What should I watch? And I I started looking at it and I was like, this might be a fun show, but on paper, it's not a sexy show. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing on this card that really screams. I mean, I'll say, I mean, Tanahashi and Osprey could end up being great. Um, The the six man, um, I think they're going to, they're going to set up whatever they're going to do for dominion there. When you have a Mox, Utah and Umino against uh, Kata, Rocky and Ishii. So that could be fun, and that can set something up. But everything else, I think, will just be fun. Yeah, I mean, with Tanahashi and Osprey, that looks compelling on paper, but you just never know with Tanahashi's condition recently, plus Will returning from uh, injury. But that will probably be very good. Um, I I do think that the TMDK match against uh, the Luchadors will be sneaky good and very fun. Mm-hmm. And then um, the Chaos match with Okada, Rocky, and Ishii against Blackpool Combat Club, like you mentioned, that that will probably be really compelling. And I'm sure the crowd is going to be very hyped when inevitably we see Okada and John Moxley finally, you know, come face to face and everything like that. But 
I don't know. I'm just not that interested in Rosser and Juice or Hikaleo and Kenta. And honestly, the strong women's title tournament, if it's very good, I will be kind of surprised. <laughs> and, I, and I hate to say it that way, but this just doesn't look like, in terms of great women's title tournaments I've ever seen on paper, this ain't it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not familiar with Stephanie Vicker, and um, I, I know of Momo Kogo, but I'm not super familiar with her in-ring work. So, yeah, I'm just not sure yeah, how this whole thing's going to end up looking. Well, that is going to do it for upcoming shows. Uh, let's jump into the news. So they announced three matches for the 6-9 altogether now, two pay-per-view show from Sumo Hall in Tokyo. The show is coming uh, five days after Dominion, and it has you know New Japan, All Japan, and Noah doing joint matches. The main event is going to be Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming with All Japan's Kento Miyahara and Noah's Keito Kiyomiya against Okada, Yuma Aoyagi, and Kano. It also features uh, promotional top rivalries with like Okada and Tanahashi, who are tag team partners, but you know have this big rivalry, and then. Kiyomiya Kano and Miyahara Aoyagi. So um, it's going to be interesting. Plus, you know, Okada and Kiyomiya have that recent history against one another. So look out for that. Um, In other matches that were announced, Tetsuya Naito and Shingo Takagi and Bushi of LIJ will be going up against All Japan Suwama and Yuji Nagata, who is still a New Japan guy, but the current All Japan uh, Triple Crown champion. And they'll be teaming up with Yuma Anzai. And then uh, aside from that, we've got Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. And Tomohiro Ishii taking on Noah's Masakitamiya, Daiki Inaba, and Yoshiki Inamura, which that sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, that's going to rock. Um, the company did a poll for the top five matches in the history of the Super Juniors Tournament. Keep in mind, polls like this are filled with recency bias. But Hiromu Takahashi versus Desperado in 2020 was first followed by Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay in 2019, Robbie Eagles versus ELP from the 2022 tournament, Koji Kanemoto versus El Samurai in 1997, and Ricochet versus Will Ospreay in 2016. For the May 21st resurgence show, they have 1,774 tickets out. They moved about 500 tickets since the announcement of Mercedes Monet on the show. Uh, in an interview with Sports Illustrated that was published on Tuesday, Kenny Omega left the door open to teaming with Okada again. Omega, Omega, Omega. <laughs> uh, Omega said he had fun working with Okada at New Year's Dash and wouldn't mind having his having his back in the future. We're in completely separate divisions right now, and since I'm the U.S. champion and he's competing in the IWGP Heavyweight uh, Division, it's good to let us exist in our respective worlds and be comrades for a change. Last bit of news here. Rep Pro UK, Saturday, August 26th at the Copper Box. They have announced for their uh, anniversary show a singles outing between Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi. Jeremy, you going to be there? We'll see. I mean, I will be in Europe. Um, I am going to all-in Wembley Stadium. Uh, so we'll got to see. So, I mean, this is kind of a partial anniversary trip, part birthday trip, so. Uh, we'll see if I could uh, sneak in a, a Rev Pro as a part of the birthday part of this thing. Bro, just here's how you sell it. Give her some money and send her off to go do whatever the fuck she wants to do. 
and 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 frame it like you're doing her a favor. Be like, oh yeah, I booked blah blah X Y Z for you for the evening as a as an anniversary present, and then you go watch wrestling. <laughs> Tell me that shit won't work. <laughs> Uh, we'll see, but yeah, it would be uh, kind of a shame to miss yeah Osprey and Shingo live at uh, the Cobber Box, but um, hopefully I'll be able. Will be on the the all all in show and Shingo being the country, I'd love to see him on on the all in card as well too. Final thing, Kyle Fletcher will be getting an AEW International Title match. Uh, he attacked uh, Orange Cassidy last week on Dynamite, and so he's the next title challenger. All right, we're uh, running close to time. Do you want to do any of these questions, or should we bump them? Let's just knock them out real quick. Whatever. All right. Uh, True Life Soldier says, A few months ago, Roosh tweeted that it's time for the leaders to unite with pictures of himself, Andrade, and Naito. Throughout the years, I always thought that it was a total waste of potential not to have a globally united Ingobernables vision. I've watched these guys teaming together in CMLL, AW, and NJPW through the World Tag Leagues, and... Fantastic Mania, the Superstar Aura is definitely there, and the merch is still selling like crazy, just by looking at the New Japan fans in the arenas. My final question is this, what is the best way to create an ultimate faction that creates the most buzz and makes the most amount of money? My guys can still run it with creative thinking. Simple answer, you do it all in one company with one booker, and you don't do it across any companies, period. And if you can't do it in one company, you don't fucking do it. Yeah, I mean, I think we're even starting to see with Bullet Club, with having it spread out through different companies, different versions, it does kind of water and dilute the main thing. Hey, I'm all I'm all for the idea of a once-in-a-lifetime dream match where you get all the former leaders to team together for one big event, but a storyline involving all these guys where they're cross-promotions, nah. Yeah. Not going to work. Uh, Brother Dime says, is there any talent from AEW and or Impact you would like to see in the G1 this year? Short answer, Brian Danielson, but it's never going to happen. Yeah, I mean, Brian Danielson is probably the first person on everybody's wish list. I mean, Claudio Casagnoli would be cool as well. Um, I, mean, I guess I'll have, I'll just settle for Kenny Omega at that point, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> you don't want to give me Danielson. I, I, I'll, I'll take Kenny, I guess. <laughs> Uh, Hawaiian Punch BB says, now a bunch of excursion match questions. Recently on a Noah show, a female fan stormed the ring and mentioned her, her frustrations with Kaito Kiyomiya. Did Okada break this man? I don't watch Noah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling keeping up with this tour. Um, maybe. I don't know. I hear they're bad at booking over there. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, the champion Carnival Finals, NJPW was able to show their dominance as a top political dog. A team of young lions were able to beat a team of an all Japan young boy, a former tag champ, and the independent junior heavyweight champ. A team of Kojima and Nagata did lose, but to a team that included Oscar Lube. Naito and Bushi were able to defeat the ace and super rookie, all while never taking off their shirts. <laughs> Meanwhile, Congo slash Noah didn't win any matches. Do you think New Japan could have at least let their young lions take a loss? Could they have? Sure. But did they? No. no. <laughs> Guess what? Poe's mad. <laughs> Shinny on. Shinny on, B. 
Uh, Naito and Bushi were incredibly over with the All Japan crowd. Naito had great interactions with Miyahara and Anzai. Do you think New Japan will allow LIJ to have a big 10-man tag match again, a tag match with All Japan's anti-invader army like they did with Congo? Some people wish to see LIJ as a dominant invader force in Japan. Can NJPW even afford to let their most popular stable miss a couple of tours? I don't know. Probably not. Um, I don't know if there's enough money in the idea of a New Japan, All Japan show with one another, you know, in the same way that there is with Noah right now. Um, Honestly, that's probably the kind of stuff that would be best served existing in All Japan's shows, period. I don't know if a cross-promotional New Japan, All Japan show sells at this point right now. Yeah, I don't think there's really a big benefit for New Japan, I think there's more also a benefit for all Japan, which I think, like you said, it should exist in their kind of universe. You can have these guys do some these one off kind of spots and pop business for those guys and do something special for all Japan. But to yeah, to do a similar uh, a fourth night of Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan, all Japan, I don't think it, it would hit the same like it does for Noah. Um, his last question here says All Japan, Tsuji Ishikawa Has seemed to take a liking to Oscar Lube He has teamed with Lube And JTO's Ren Ayabe A couple times now Visually they make an impressive team of Triple Towers Would you like to see New Japan Trade Lube and a couple of First round picks for Enzai <laughs> um, I've heard good things about uh, Enzai I haven't seen enough of him to really feel that way But um, You know it's this is all hypothetical, but yeah, I, I hear Enzai's a uh, you know top prospect, and I like Oscar Lobe. Yeah, I've heard great things about Enzai, but I, just, I you know with this busy schedule, I have not had time to really keep up with him or how he's performed. I haven't seen any of his matches really, um, so I mean it'd be hard for me to make a trade like that. But I'm all down for him. Bring him in, do some tours. Uh, next question here from Death Triangle Seven Twenty: Do you think Dominion will sell out when the main event is not involving the main draws? Well, you know, um, we've talked about this before. New Japan is going through a transitionary period, and even though they don't have their tip top stars involved in the main event, um, that's going to happen from time to time when you are trying new things. But they still have all their top stars in pretty big, very compelling matches. And it's a traditionally, you know, it's it, it's got the branding of Dominion and it's being held in Osaka. I think it's what, Joe Hall, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's where it's usually held. So um, I think it'll still probably do really well. Now, sellout, what does that mean? That's a relative term. I think it depends on what kind of layout they use and how many seats they open, but I'm sure they're going to do a, a really good crowd. There seems to be a lot of momentum behind New Japan right now in Japan anyways. Yeah, and I feel like they've been doing well in Osaka uh, drawing uh, there this year, and I mean, Okada is going to be on the undercard in a big six-man uh, against John Moxley's team. You're going to have Osprey and Lance Archer in the, the U.S. tournament. You're going to have uh, Hiromu versus Super Juniors winner. There's going to be, I think, a lot of big things that after Super Junior is over and the full Dominion cards out there, I think it's going to be a card that's going to draw. Yeah, I mean, you can't make an omelet without cracking a couple eggs. Or as they say on Succession, you can't make a tomlet 
without cracking a couple Greg's. So, you know, <laughs> it's just the way it is. Then uh, last set of questions here from the Dark Soldier. Are you disappointed that Tangaloa didn't, <laughs> didn't make the cut to Best of Super Juniors? Will he ever finish his story? I don't know. I'd like to see him come back, though, one way or the other. Maybe that's why he hasn't come back yet. He's spending all his time trying to cut down to, to be a junior. Maybe. <laughs> uh, next question. Why is it that heel leaders like Osprey, Zack, and even Evil will be there to accompany their stable mates, yet Okada won't to his stable? He's too big of a star, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just, they just haven't established that with chaos. Nope, no time during the run has he ever like really seconded any of those guys. I think he might have seconded Ishii during his feud with uh, Naito when Naito first won the world title back in like 2016. But that was all, you know. We know what the real intentions were. The real intentions were for him to get his own belt back. Yeah, yeah, to be close enough to just you know roll in and. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, his last question, he says, oh, my Foley, did you notice that in the Naito-Doki match, Naito took his shirt off? Naito had his shirt on during the six-man tag at the Tokyo Dome against Tanahashi Amuto, yet he took his shirt off against Doki. That means Naito values Doki over Muto, as we should all. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I do uh, remember Naito yeah, taking the shirt off for that matchup, and... Yeah, I mean, in there with Big Match Doki, yeah, he had to do something. Well, that's going to wrap it up with the questions. Uh, recommended match of the week. So I know we've taken a couple weeks off uh, from recommended match. Um, the last time we did it uh, for the recommended match, I recommended Kushida versus Liger from Don Taku 2016. Yeah, uh, this was a really great match, and it's not it's not the last great match of Liger's run, right? Liger still had a couple pretty awesome and compelling um, singles matches after this, like the match with Hiromu in the Super Juniors. Uh, he had a really great match with Taichi in the Super Juniors. Great matches with um, Ishimori and Will Ospreay. So he probably had, like, you know, there's still a handful of really good ones, but this was sort of like very much a passing of the torch situation where it was like Kushida needed to prove that he was the dominant true junior ace of the division. And Liger was out to regain the IWGP junior heavyweight title for what would have been like, I think his 13th time ever. <laughs> um, very, very good match. Dave went um, four stars. It's got a 7.99 on cage match, which is basically four stars. So this is a quintessential four-star special. <laughs> and um, the match is really, really great. And, you know, Jushin Liger is arguably the greatest junior heavyweight of all time. And Kushida at that time was like the ace. And so it was very much a, a generational defining sort of match. And they gave him a lot of time and, you know, Liger went out there and showed everybody that he could still do everything that he's always been able to do. Um, they had a lot of great chemistry, a lot of great back and forth. Liger, you know, was uh, targeting the limbs and, you know, trying to set up submissions, that sort of thing. Uh, Kushida pretty much had to steal his flow and go back the other way and do the same thing with him. Very, very good match. Very, very solid and, and, 
exciting. And yeah, I thought Liger was fantastic here and Kushida did a great job really putting him over in a big way. And ultimately Kushida came from underneath and, and, you know, beat Liger and proved why he was the junior ace at the time. Yeah. And I mean, Liger's 51 in this match. It's pretty It's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, on this night, this was a really great Dontaku show. And this was one of the top, you know, probably the top second. Well, there were some really good matches, but it was probably the second best match of the night just behind. You know, it's funny. This was, I, I was referencing that Naito Ishii match. That was on this show as well. That was probably the best match of the night. And this was just behind it in quality. So really, really great match. Then for a jersey match of the week, you recommended uh, Mercedes Monet versus Mayu Iwatani from the All-Star uh, Grand Queendom show for the IWGP Women's Title Match. And I know we had already kind of talked about it on the show um, after the, the match happened. Uh, but, you know, overall, uh, really good matchup here. Uh, again, kind of just surprised about how short it was. The, the entrances were epic. Uh, Mercedes looked great with the, with the Black Tiger uh, tribute. And I think this was a match that really kind of showed us uh, Mercedes' kind of commitment to wrestling the Joshi style and, and mixing it up in there and, you know, eating a lot of hard strikes and, and kicks from uh, Mayu Iwatani. And, um, yeah, just really surprising, yeah, just how short the matchup was. I feel like this was a very anticipated match, and people were expecting probably more of a longer classic. But, I mean, there was some, uh, it was kind of a great high-paced matchup. Um, we talked about it, you know, Mercedes just getting into the um, the double knees, the Meteora, and so many different variations, and the one to the outside. Um, yeah, I thought she looked really good um, in this matchup and kind of comfortable and, you know, a stardom ring. Uh, and, of course, Mayu um, always was a maniac bumping all over the place on, on her neck and um, had a lot of, like I mentioned, a lot of hard strikes to uh, uh, Mayu and, or to uh, Mane and, you know, ends up uh, getting the win and becoming the IWGP uh, Women's World Champ. And I think I was, like, four stars, four and a quarter on this. Nice. Well, um, this week I have recommended match of the week, and I am going with a throwback. Um, a throwback to my boy Tatsumi Fujinami as a junior, and he is taking on Kengo Kimura. This is from Bloody Fight Series on 9-25-1980 for the NWA International Junior Heavyweight title. And... Um, you know, let me know what you think about this one. I really enjoyed this when I saw it, and I think you'll like it. Definitely. Looking forward to checking that out. Uh, then for the excursion match of the week, it's going to be Claudio Castagnoli versus Robbie Eagles. Uh, Claudio defending the Ring of Honor world title against Robbie Eagles on ROH TV. Awesome. Well, um, that's going to do it for this week's show. <laughs> yep, that's going to wrap it up. Next week, we'll be back to review uh, nights five through eight of Best of Super Junior 30. So if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping a Strong Style logo. Make sure to connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. You can follow 
the network at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. Also check us out on Facebook on uh, Facebook Queer Social Suplex. Also find the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group there as well. On Instagram, we're at the Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. Just keeping a strong style. Also join our Discord server, Social Suplex Podcast Network. You can email me, Jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences Podcast of Caleb Baldwin and Maserati. All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin Sumowitz. The AEW Match Guide Podcast, hosted by Sir Sam Brown. And The Great Match Generator, hosted by Danny Kugler. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we'll catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.